Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, amateur radio call sign KI6NAZ. And I'm Leah, KN6NWZ. And we like to talk about ham radio, among many other things. So come along with us, won't you? Well, hello, Leah. How are you this week? I, I think I'm finally recovered from the 4th of July. Yeah, I'm, I am. Today was the day. Yeah, it, it took a few days because I'm getting older. So, Savagely so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, An I uncontrollable used, amount of aging. I used to... I have No, not you, me. Wow. We're, we're commiserating, <laughs> and I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about you. I could see how you could take it that way. I apologize. That was not the intention. Jeez. Okay, I'm starting my uh, podcast off on the right foot. <laughs> so when I was younger, I used to be able to pound like six Long Islands in a night. I know. And then wake up and go for a could. run. Yeah. You know? And now, I think that was the craziest thing is that you could like literally go work out the next morning <laughs> a huge night and now you wake up and you're like oh so much i dislocated pain. my hip how did i do this <laughs> I, yeah. all i did was lay in a kiddie pool and drink beers all night how did i do this to myself and i woke up and it was so painful i did end up still doing two miles the next day though so walking on the treadmill yeah. playing animal crossing mm-hmm. that that's is, the new jam that is uh my motivation i get up and i'm like I can play Animal Crossing if I get on the treadmill. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's that's a good that's a good motivator. It's a habit stacking. That's yeah, it's yeah, a good motivator. But what's interesting is I bought the fireworks this year for the Fourth of July. Oh man, the first year. I, I I was like, wow, that's what a time saving. I was, I was like so excited. I was like, wow, you did a great job. Thank you so much. And I always go to the same booth. It's because when you were a part of the Rod and Gun Club in our town, right? That's their. You yeah. used to volunteer mm-hmm. at that. And, and you know, there are fireworks booths on here. like every... I was killer at selling I know. fireworks. I know. I was the best. <laughs> Sold so many fireworks. And so this year I went and I was like, oh, I know where Josh gets them and I'll, I'll just head over there. I know what he does. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I go and I, and I buy a box and... Uh, my friend Sarah and her kids came over and she said she was bringing fireworks too. And I'm like, we're going to be set. Mm-hmm. And then we go to set off the fireworks. We don't have sparklers. No sparklers. <laughs> yes. No ground bloom flowers. I didn't realize that the sparklers don't come in the they never do. pack. And then. And I didn't look either. I just was like, oh, you got fireworks. Great. Yeah. I, okay. So every year what we do is we haul out a ladder with. A piece of wood to use as a platform. Keep in mind, we're, we're slightly incriminating ourselves here a little bit, but... Um, I didn't say where exactly. we did this. Good, good answer. Yeah. So there was a trick I learned, and, and we're in California, right? So the most we get is those safe and sane ones. Basically fountains, ground fountains, and there's nothing like projectiles. So no tiny mortars, no mortars of any kind, no bottle rockets, anything like that, right? Nothing explodes. Lots of showers, sparks, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you put it on a ladder... And you put a piece of flat board on top of it, you're just making the fireworks bigger. Right. It's like you're putting the cone, the firework, on top of a really big cone. Yes. And the sparks fall all the way to the ground. Right, right. More bang for your buck, no it, pun it, intended. It is literally like the simplest <laughs> thing you can do to improve your fireworks, like immeasurably. So if I had to do it all over again, I would definitely buy sparklers. Yes. Okay. Sparklers mm-hmm. for sure. I don't care about ground flowers. I think they're dumb. Ground flowers have gotten significantly worse over the last 10 years. So has Piccolo, Piccolo Pete's. 
And then I, I don't know if in other states they have the same kind of fireworks system we do, but all of our fire all of our firework booths are actually um, community organizations mm-hmm. that are doing them as They're fundraisers. Uh, yeah. Fundraisers, but our fireworks have been significantly nerfed over the years. Mm-hmm. They are they are smaller and smaller and less impressive, and, and they last less. Yeah. Long, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then for your finale, mm-hmm. you should always get one more box, a finale box. No. So this is where I, I, I buck that trend completely. I think those boxes are just like filler fireworks. So the most I'll ever buy is like. No, no, no. I mean a, a box, like one of the $40 fireworks. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. That's the finale Got box. it. Yes. Okay. Now I'm back on yeah. board. So when I used to work in the fireworks stand, I actually would look up the fireworks. I would hmm. look them up on YouTube and watch the firework okay. light off. Because all these websites, all these, you know, these companies, they, they want you to know which ones you buy, want. Right. So you go buy a lot of them. Yeah. Like there's these little tiny fountains called Purple, uh, purple Rains are really good. The killer bees are always good. I get those. I'll always get, um, I, I end up always buying like two packages of sparklers because sparklers come in like six boxes per package or something right. like that. Six or nine. So I always buy like two of those because you right. can never have like enough sparklers. Right. And you luckily you had some left over from last year. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I, I always buy too many because it's like, it's a sparkler. It's not a 4th of July thing. It's like a sparkler. It's right. fine. So anyway. So one of the other mistakes we made was that we let each kid choose what firework they wanted to light the fuse for. Right. Right. And so they all got to take turns lighting the fuse on these things. But I should not have allowed them Correct. to pick which ones because immediately they Just all pick, went the for the ones. biggest ones yeah, first. Yeah. And then instead of it being a progression into bigger and bigger fireworks, it was a, it was it a, was a sad, regression. It was a sad <laughs> depression. Yes. Yes. Our neighbor who was right next to us, they actually kind of did it the right way. And they bought like standalone fountains. And they had like one of those $40 jobs or something like that. And I was like, hey, do you just want to use my ladder? And he's like, yeah, now dude. You he's are like, incriminating he's yourself. Like, oh, <laughs> no, he went with us. Yeah. To oh, the right. undisclosed legal location. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like, yeah, absolutely, dude. We totally want to use your ladder. I'm like, okay, cool. Do you want to form an alliance with me? <laughs> and my ladder? <laughs> absolutely, you, I do. <laughs> you, absolutely, I do. You should definitely have an aluminum ladder for this particular recommendation. <laughs> no, I'll just throw that out there. Anyway. So, yeah, that's kind of what we did. Guys, thanks again for hopping on to the Ham Radio Crash Course here and listening to us for another week. Uh, Today, oh, no, that's right, Ham Radio Minute. The way we did the show notes, I've got to change the way I did these. I apologize. I I just apologize. Uh, The Ham Radio Minute today is have a backup antenna for portable operations. So carry two chameleon MCOMs, two of the same? Well, I'll explain my issue. Um, and, and you might, you might not have heard that said for portable operations or weddings. Right. So I'm going back to, you know, the wedding, right. Where I was trying to run portable from the car. I was going to put the 705 in the car in it's Wi-Fi, um, access point mode. Yeah. Oh, so sad that that didn't work out for you. It didn't work because I was, (laughs) I was basing it off of like a wire antenna that was going to have coax come just out of the car and then have the wire antenna run it. Mm -hmm. So my, the re in reality, what I should have done, and what you all should probably think about doing, just have a mag mount with a with a hamstick. Just okay. have a mag mount with a hamstick. Talking about the hamsticks again. Well, they're so inexpensive, 
And I thought about it after, and I'm like, I had no radio time. And even with a hamstick, I would have had some radio time. Okay. Right? So they're, they're incredibly oh, inexpensive. I'm so sad you didn't figure that out in advance. Yeah. I, I, I was <laughs> typing up the newsletter last month, and I was like, oh, my gosh. That is, that is my failing. That is my lesson learned is that I got to have a backup antenna. Hamsticks are perfect in this situation. So, yeah, you may have a really nice long wire antenna, a really cool dipole that you set up, and it's great. If you're surrounded by, like, power lines like I was or cl- too close to power lines, well, then a hamstick works great. So I know that a lot of wives have started listening to the podcast mm-hmm. with their husband yes. just based on emails that we've gotten. Yeah. So I'm going to tell the wives that there are ways to sabotage your husband, <laughs> which include leaving out critical things. Also, always be in a rush. Always be in a rush to increase <laughs> <laughs> the risk <laughs> of leaving something. <laughs> yes. So that and, and then to everyone else that's here for the ham radio is uh, have a have a card that you write everything down <laughs> that you need and have a go bag that's put together and ready to go the night before. So you're foiling my foil so that you're all ready. Right. And that, that's actually going to come up later, by okay. the way, for the show topic. All or, right. So that's great. Well, anyway, that was not a minute. Yeah, and no, good, yeah. excellent. Never a minute. Yeah, never a minute. See, I said that at the end this time. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Mixing things up. <laughs> well, have a drink with us today. We are drinking. What is it? What are so, you drinking? So many things. Yeah, we just grabbed you, a bunch of leftovers the, from Fourth yeah. of July. <laughs> I am drinking Elysian Super Fuzz Blood Orange Pale Ale. It's quite good. This mm-hmm. is a pale ale that is up my alley. Uh, I am having another Elysian Space Dust IPA because it's just kind of a, right. just a decent IPA. And then we also picked up. Yeah, um, this was a, because this was of, interesting. Because of Ibotta having such a good rebate on it. <laughs> Ibotta made me buy this. It's a Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade. Mm-hmm. And they came in different fruit flavors like strawberry, peach, um, other dark berries and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I realized when I was drinking it, this is basically a lower calorie repackaged Mike's Hard Lemonade. Yeah. That it just comes in cans instead of bottles now. And it's a Mike's everybody's had. doing it. You can get yourself a Mike's Had there. Yeah. It was okay. A little too on the like saccharine sweet side for me. Sure. Like all of it. But didn't it take you back to the 2000s <laughs> when people were rolling what? up with Zimas and, and Mike's Hard Lemonades? was not a 2000s Mike's drink. Hard Lemonades. Mike's Hard? Yeah, or no, no. Or you're Smirnoff, ta- Smirnoff Ice. That's what yes. you're talking about. Yes. Like, what are you talking about? Zima was like ni- early 90s, late 80s. Really? Yeah, it was old, a long time ago. Wow. Well, no, it was definitely 90s. Yeah, it was definitely 90s. Okay. But I, I don't am, think it I made that. I am thinking Smirnoff Ice. I think the Y2K, the only thing it got was Zima. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only thing. It just took out the Zima plant. That and that uh, that drink that had the little floaties Orbits. in it. Orbits. Or Orbeez. <laughs> no, those are, those are toys. Orbeez are toys. Oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's still a couple of bottles of those kicking around. Like I bet they're unopened. disgusting looking now. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's not a good look. Join the conversation by leaving us a review on iTunes for the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast. And or emailing Leah at hamtactical.com. Leaving a review, a review wherever you listen to the podcast will help the Ham Radio Crash Course reach more hams and future hams. And we truly appreciate it. Like <laughs> this review from Epic 
Mahoney. Ooh. Epic Mahoney. Resonates with everyday life, radiates humor, and propagates knowledge. Amazing. Perfect. Amazing. Nicely done. There are many great online resources for ham radio, but this podcast strikes a perfect balance and is truly something special. The technical Aww. topics are great for new hams and experienced hams alike. And the questions Leia asks on her path towards general are so helpful for others that are learning. Josh and Leia are amazing. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Epic Mahoney. Appreciate it. Such a Laughter w- and learning. Ooh. It's funny and true. From <laughs> Douglas VL says... Laugh while learning about radio and much more. All while Leia gets her general and eventually extra. Wow. Really laying Um, out some plans here. (laughs) Douglas V. Uh, Then there's another one that says radiate, resonate, propagate. And this is from K7YEG. Oh, my goodness. And he says, this is without a doubt the best podcast related to amateur radio out there. Leia takes the longest online license practice test, (laughs) presents a preparedness segment, and is net control to learning the lean to the leaning tower of emails. You're a net control of emails. That's fantastic. Yes. Uh, This is says more than a ham radio podcast from KD9SUU. As a newly licensed ham, I love listening to ham radio podcasts to explain to expand my knowledge. This show, however, discusses much more than ham radio. <laughs> yes, it does. Leah and Josh talk about all subjects. The HRCC podcast makes me laugh whenever I listen to it. And that's from Ryan, KD9SUU. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate that. Oh, my gosh. So many great reviews. Yeah, these are fantastic. Thank you. It's heartwarming. And, and thank you for dropping those reviews over on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And if you just want to give us five stars, we'll take that, too. Thank we'll you. We'll always take the five stars. <laughs> Love the podcast from Andrew V. And then he puts in a parentheses, Baofeng Man. Oh. So, okay. <laughs> All right, Andrew. This is easily my favorite podcast. Leia and the Ham Radio Guy make me laugh every time while teaching about ham radio. I am studying for my technician license, trying to understand the questions as opposed to just knowing the answers. Josh's intro to ham radio video was the first ham radio video I watched and convinced me to, and then it cut out. So I'm going to go ahead and blame iTunes for cutting your review off. I apologize. But thank you for that. Thank you. uh, Be on the lookout. I'll be editing a bunch more of those videos because I've got a plane flight here in a little while, so I'll be doing that on the air. Okay. <laughs> doing so, it fly. I'll be editing it <laughs> online on the air. So, yeah, appreciate that uh, very much. Thank you so much for dropping your reviews. And, again, if you review us anywhere you pod, that's fantastic. We appreciate it. But we especially like the iTunes stuff because we can just read the reviews live on the podcast. It's true. It's true. So, Leia, what have you been using this week? Okay. So, Josh and I... We're often at odds about this. Mm. I actually do not like houses with pools. In fact, the community we live in, a pool reduces the property value because the assumption is whoever is buying it is going to fill the pool in. Mm -hmm. And you grew up with the pool. You love the idea of a house with the pool. I do. So every summer, what I end up doing... (laughs) Is I get the kids one of those 10 foot inflatable pools. Yeah. And it's uh, for how little the kids are. It's the perfect amount of space. And I'm not worried about them, you know, drowning in a deep end or something. And then when summer's over, we get our backyard back Mm -hmm. from from that area. Uh, And that's worked out for us. But there's a major frustration every year. And it is having to drain it. 
we be, had to drain it a lot. Yes, because the, the kids water, would get muddy and then get in the water. Right. You know, yeah. And there'd be algae that develops. So last year, I ended up putting uh, like a chlorine floater, and mm-hmm. that kind of kept everything at bay for a week. Yeah. <laughs> and And I would skim, you know. But we were still emptying it, and it was a ton of water, which mm-hmm. bothers us a lot in California, Southern California especially. Right. We're, we're Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we're always not on the good. precipice of a drought. Right. Not good. <laughs> so I got a pool filter. <laughs> a but pool it's filter a pump. tiny pool filter. Yeah. It's kind of like a glorified fish tank filter. Right. And a lot of people have bought these 10 foot poles. They got uh, pools. They got very popular last year as people were in lockdown. Right. And everybody was like, how do I keep this clean? How do, how do we? They were just putting them in their living rooms. No. <laughs> and people were trying to cover that. they got to stay away from people in COVID. So they just put a pool inside their home. No. <laughs> so you can take one of these Intex pool filter is made for the smaller pools and i want to say they run like about a hundred dollars or something okay but you you don't have to plug it into the side of a pool you can actually drop it just in the pool as long as you the, the it right not as long body. as you prepped it properly right and it will clean the pool yeah so and that's it, what i use this week i'm very happy about it be, because i grew up with, with a pool and i've actually i worked on the pool um the filter the filtration system is a drop-in filter. Mm-hmm. So you use it for a while and then you discard the filter. It's not a diatomaceous earth filter like most right. people who are familiar with pools have to deal with and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So it's it's actually pretty self-contained, pretty easy to use. Yeah. The only problem you'll deal with is like if the kids are just nuts, you know, like our kids or they'll have friends over and they're even more nuts, the hoses will suck air. Yeah. And once the intake hose sucks there, you kind of have to do this whole process to fill it up again. So I'm trying to come up with an idea of just like something weighted that won't punch a hole through the pool that'll yeah. just kind of like hold it down. Mm-hmm. And then you're fine. It, it works. It works really well. Yeah. So surpri- surprisingly well, actually. After all the kids were in and out link. and dirty, it, yeah. I think it had that pool cleaned in like a couple of hours. Like clear yes. the water. Yeah, the like, water oh, was wow. clear. Okay, cool. Nothing was left in it. Yeah. So the thing I used was that, are you good? I'm good. I've been using this for portable videos, and when I went going to go to Hamfest or I go to oh, I places. actually am not done. Okay, go ahead. I was gonna say that that pool filter would probably be good in a preparedness situation too, if you had a body of water that you needed to filter filter sediment out of. For sediment, yeah, but I don't think it would filter. Yeah, then you would add whatever toxins. water treatment. Okay, yeah, you know I see what, I mean? what you're saying. Yeah, because especially for like a if large if you're doing body, bulk, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I get what you're throwing down. Yeah. Because you could use the hose yeah. to bump, dump it into like a vessel of some yes. kind. And then you could throw the um, pool shock. Yes. Pool shock's a really inexpensive way of, of uh, purifying water. Yes. I see what you're saying. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. It's a good one. Thank you. That's almost a preparedness corner. And Ugh, what am wow. I using all put together? Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, so for a while now, I've owned a DJI Osmo Pocket. I've had it for a really long time. The new one came out, I think, the beginning of this year, the Osmo Pocket 2. And with it, they come. They came out with a couple of new attachments. Like It's called the Creator's Kit. It's called this Creator's Handle. The Creator's Handle snaps onto the bottom, like permanently kind of fixes itself. Like it's, it, it looks like it's supposed to be there. 
It adds more microphones, and the audio was a big problem in the first-gen Osmo Pocket, so you always had to run like an external mic. The advantage of this new one with the creator handle as a part of this creator's bundle is that the new model comes with the creator handle with the multiple internal mics that are adjustable for directionality. It has an external mic jack and comes with a lapel mic that you can put on yourself. Wow. And the lapel mic has a button. When you press it, it turns on record or snaps a picture. How cool is that? So you don't actually have to walk over, start the recording, come back, walk over, start the recording, and back and it's forth. Like you, you barely even up. need a pool up. A you cameraman. barely need a pool filter. <laughs> you barely need a cameraman anymore. Well, I mean, none of my stuff has a cameraman, so it's, right. it's really nice. And because it's a gimbal, you can point it wherever you want. You can quickly move stuff around. So all the shots that I take, like if you ever see me like outdoors and I shoot, because I usually shoot like a time lapse. You can do these sweeping multi-point time lapses where you can you move the camera, click a spot, move the camera again, click a spot. And and by move the camera, I mean you use the phone app to actually adjust the points that you want the um the phone or the camera to go through. It shoots 4K, 30 frames per second. I think 30 frames. It might actually shoot 60 at 40K, but I don't think that's true. And it, it's not nearly as good as my Sony, but for a lot of things, it's just great. It it, it actually comes out really well for what it is. So I think this thing all in with the creator bundle, I think it's like $450, $450. And that's like... Wow, that's expensive, John. <laughs> well, yeah, but but that's all, you, that's all you need. Like you could... So for everybody who's like shooting videos on like GoPros, unless you are like going to break it, like it's, it's going to get submerged or something like that, I would argue that the DJI is a much better way to go because it's actually geared more towards a YouTube creator. Somebody that's going to make videos. Okay. It's good if you're just running around doing selfie stuff. Um, oh, the creator kit also comes with a wide angle lens that snaps onto it magnetically, which Ooh. is really cool. So if you're like selfie shots, stuff like that, it's really versatile. Anyway, that's, that's, I've been using that because I did a POTA on Monday, on my off Monday. Wow. Ran out and did a POTA and I did that. I used that All DJI by for the whole thing. All by myself. That's right. So video on that will be coming out soon too. All right. Leia, yes. Do you have a, a preparedness corner for us uh, this week? I indeed do. Okay, what is it? I would like for everybody to think about something that they pay somebody else to do. Ooh. Something that is, you know, necessary, like uh, maybe Dentistry. no, <laughs> like uh, maybe car repair. Or maybe there's some home maintenance thing because as as like the economy has grown and there are lots of people who offer different services so conveniently, it's so easy to move towards this idea that that person is an expert at doing something and that you should not do it. There right. are paid professionals that do this. Leave it to the paid professionals. I would argue that some markets specifically want you to feel that way. Right. <laughs> they right. market for the incompetence of the buyer. Yeah. But in reality, a large number of things with just, you know, a, a few instances of practice, learning and YouTube videos, you could figure out how to do it. And that's. That's something that's so important about the self-reliance mindset, mm -hmm. right? And it, this actually came to me because I'm in a Facebook group. Well, I'm in lots of Facebook groups. But I often see people ask questions like, who can I, 
um, is there somebody I can hire? Or can you refer me to somebody who uh, can do this? Right. And today was the most ridiculous thing. And uh-huh. it was, can somebody, can I hire somebody to show me how to grow vegetables? <laughs> what? <laughs> I bought I all these vegetables from the, the farmer's market <laughs> and I'm putting them in the dirt and nothing's happening. At this point, I feel like I'm wasting my money. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that the boys are in Cub Scouts, because I think that that experience yeah. teaches self-reliance, mm-hmm. that you can learn to do anything to at least a passable level, not necessarily a professional level, because you're not doing it day in and day out. Mm-hmm. But sometimes just doing it at a passable level is good enough. Right. And we see that with like sewing. Mm hmm. Right. That's I think a lot of people don't know how to sew anymore. Uh, and uh, something as simple as hemming your pants, you know. Yes. Uh, I have a couple of like prime examples of these. No, please. please. So multiple times we've gotten calls from neighbors that have been like, I locked myself out. Oh, lock picking. And I'm like, I'll be right over. Yeah. I'm going to just pick their lock and they're in the they're in the house again. You actually had somebody ask. Well, I had somebody ask for a referral mm-hmm. for somebody to install a hot water heater. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, uh, I don't know, because Josh just did it. <laughs> it it's, seemed pretty simple. Yeah, they're, they're not. I mean, so here's here's the other thing. Let me there are other examples of this, like fixing cars is the obvious example. Right. Most things that we've done in the house, we did ourselves up to a point. And here's the very important thing that I think you you learn as you do right instead of approaching everything like that's someone else's job or that's magic or i don't understand it please here's take my money right you start doing things on your own and you very quickly get a comfort zone Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you appreciate the work that other people do more when you yourself know what your comfort zone is right, and your level. Mm-hmm. And so your, your appreciation goes up. Like when we had the air conditioner thing, I was like, that's one thing I'm not messing with. Right. I poked around a little bit. I did a couple of checks to see, and I'm like, let's call an expert. And sure enough, we had a couple of guys come out. They were, they were fantastic. They knew what they were doing. They're really good guys. Um, I did work with them on some of the circuitry stuff. And they were like, really, the, the guy told me, he's like, oh, I'm really glad you understand electronics. This is going to be a lot more, this is going to be a lot easier explaining what I'm doing. And, and I'm definitely like, a cheaper rate than yeah, if yeah, he yeah. had to figure out yeah. everything on his mm-hmm. own about our house. And, and he actually liked that he could talk through the process because he didn't want people to, because I'm assuming a lot of times he walks up, he does a couple of things and then he's like, okay, that'll be $300. Right. And everybody's like, well, for what? You yeah. were out there for, for 30 minutes. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, no, I did dot, 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 you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. So I think you get, you not only increase your level of ability to save some money yeah, and get some more skill, but you also then appreciate the work others do for you even more because you yeah. know how much like goes into it. Yeah. It's more than just like, I just watched a YouTube video, which is definitely the level I'm at in some cases. Mm-hmm. But also the task is really only, I just need a YouTube video. Sometimes it's it's not much more than that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Good, good idea. Good Thank comment. you. Thank you. Okay. Well, that means it's time for the email correspondence tower. Oh, we're, we're still on Spooky Creaky Door. 
Nobody sent me okay. another one, so that's when we're going. All right. Until <laughs> I find another one. By the way, we love the drops that you're sending. Some of them, not necessarily a fit for the podcast. <laughs> With all due There respect, was one very jarring one uh, that I think. Some of them, mostly unintelligible. <laughs> the words that they're saying. I didn't know the words. So I was like, I don't know what's happening here. Is that some kind of language? Are we cursing somebody in a foreign language? Right. I don't think I want to do that. Uh, by the way, we appreciate all the drops if you send them to Leia at hamtactical.com. I, I promise I will use some, but I, I would put this on the level of like our discerning taste for merch. You know, we, we, we've got to find the right one. Yes. To, to, to fill the, the bank here. Um, with that said, speaking of merch, if you do send us merch at Leia at hamtactical.com and we like the idea and we make one, we'll give you one for free. So thank you for sending us your ideas. With that yes. said, Leah, onward. Okay. This first email is titled Field Day and Stuff, AAR. And this is from Russ. Russ is the wonderful HRCC member mm -hmm. who has sent us goodies from Vermont of mm -hmm. the maple variety. Yep. The, the hot maple syrup, the habanero maple syrup. Fantastic. Yes. But what's really important is that Russ made our 4th of July. Yes, he did. You smoked ribs. I smoked ribs. I normally use a brown sugar. You know, part of the rub is brown sugar. Right. And I just happened to look over on the counter and I'm like, hey, I've got that maple sugar. And the maple sugar has a similar taste profile mm -hmm. to, to that of brown sugar. Right. And I'm like, oh, man, we gotta, I got to use this. It came out great. They were fantastic. It worked really well. I, I, I thought it was I was good worried balance. it was going to come out tasting like bacon. No, not at and all. And it didn't at all. Mm -mm. It, it was, was great. very good. So thank you so much, Russ, for yeah. those goodies. I, I also wouldn't yeah. have been upset if it came out like bacon, to be honest. <laughs> I would not have been upset about that. Russ says, hello, Leia and Josh. I just finished the June 24th, 25th episode. Yeah, I am being slow, but work has been a little arduous as of late in healthcare. <clears throat> My wife gave me some wonderful Father's Day gifts, not as awesome as the EEV blog multimeter. Oh, yes. Thank you, Leah. Or as awesome as your pour over coffee set. Mm. <laughs> I did not buy that for Josh. I bought that. for yes. That was a great gift I gave myself. Yes. <laughs> it was a great day. She gave me a ladder toss game. That is that fun. That is cool. Stanley camping pour over coffee set, mm -hmm. which I would argue is equally as awesome as yeah. what Josh has. Ah, uh, come on. And an impromptu camping trip. Oh. Now that is that would be Josh's like dream gift. Oh. Wait, it's like you've done. <laughs> you're like, Josh, here's an impromptu camping trip. And you hand me my backpack and go, get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, did I do something I just wrong? have somebody kidnap you. <laughs> what? With just a backpack and drop you in the woods. Impromptu camping. <laughs> impromptu camping. <laughs> Oh, dart in the neck. <laughs> Whoops. You wake up in a weird place. There are people who pay for that, actually. Getting shot in the neck with a dart and then awakening in camping? No, the the drop off in the wilderness yeah. experience. The survival experience, of the, the yeah. full on bushcraft experience where you have like a K-bar. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you got to you got to kill a wild boar with this. <laughs> so make a spear. 
So Russ continues, my wife took me to Mount Escutney State Park for a little (laughs) roughing it style camping. The next day, we, wife, me, son, Bernice Mountain, and Tripod Terrier hiked to the summit of Mount Escutney. My two and a half year old hiked about three fourths of the way up. Wow. That is impressive. Up top, I attempted to activate the summit. Alas, no one came back. Later that day, I activated the park and made three contacts. Sadly, not enough to actually activate. She mocked me as I called CQ. For someone who wants to learn CQ, she lacks respect for the hobby. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Russ, at least uh, she has mentioned wanting to learn CQ. (laughs) You mean that's a win ham radio or CQ? Oh, so I'm sorry. CW. Oh, oh CW. Yeah, CW. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Got it. She wants to learn CW. Fast forward to field day. I attempted to make contact with numerous stations up and down the East coast and the Midwest, but I guess I just wasn't getting out. Yes. The RF output was there, but my ancient G5 RV wasn't singing very well, I guess. Oh, well, I'm working on getting a new antenna for my QTH, something from NI4L. Is that my, one of his Marconi inverted L antennas or OCF Wyndham. Okay. Anyhow, back to work and talk to you later. 73 Russ KC5CNT. Thank you, Russ. Thank you for that email, Russ. I, I hope you get something that works a little bit better. Uh, I mean, did he mention exactly what he was running? He said he was using an ancient G5 RV. On the summit or in the park? On field day. Oh, on field day. Uh, Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. I understand. All right. The next email is from Vern. Prepping long-term egg storage. Hi, Leah. KR5, SIX, Renee, and I have lived a self-sufficient lifestyle for about 20 years. Well done, Vern. Very good. We really had to dive deep into this lifestyle when we lived in Guatemala as full-time missionaries. Wow. Food preservation, water storage, and filtration, etc. was a mandatory way of life there. Ham radio was how we communicated with the other villages. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it was mostly pirate radio there, but the same technology. We still <laughs> we use... were using ham radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we still use HF to talk to our licensed friends there. We currently live on six acres in central Texas, about an hour and a half northeast of Austin, and call our little homestead Circle Six as a play on our last name and the number of acres we own. Oh, cool. We have about 30 laying hens along with 12 guineas and four peafowl. The peafowl are just for fun and do little else, to be honest. I'm glad he said that because I I was curious. Yeah. Are they very delicious I could have told you. (laughs) The guineas, on the other hand, are great at keeping the insect population under control. Oh, I bet. They eat on average nine times their body weight in insects each month, or so I am told. Since we live next to a several hundred acre cornfield and the grasshoppers uh, that come with it, they are awesome. I bet that view of a cornfield is actually really gorgeous. (laughs) It's like all the farmland in front of you. 
Since, oh, I'm sorry, they are also total hell on snakes. I only oh, wish that. they could defeat the skunk population in this area. <laughs> SMDH. <laughs> I always love to hear about other people's homesteads. Nate recently wrote to you about his chickens plucking their feathers, etc. So I thought you might be interested in knowing how we store our eggs long term. We use a technique called water glassing. As we get about 18 to 24 new eggs per day, long-term egg storage is crucial here at Circle 6. Basically, this is how it works. Take a non-washed but otherwise clean fresh eggs, let them dry fully for several minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, after removing them from the hen's house. Longer, up to a couple days is fine too. Then take one ounce by weight of calcium hydroxide and mix it with one liter, some say one quart of distilled water. Mm -hmm. Calcium hydroxide, commonly known as pickling lime, is a natural ingredient and totally safe to eat. It will irritate your skin, however, so wear gloves. This will not, quote unquote, pickle the eggs. Mix the calcium hydroxide and water in your desired storage container Then add the eggs. Try to keep eggs standing upside down, pointy side down, Hmm. as you add them to the water. The eggs are safe for about two years. Just freestanding air left in the water? In the water. Okay. So I'm assuming he's sealing the water. Best quality, in my opinion, is 18 months or less. The lime will settle to the bottom of the container over time. This is totally normal and okay. This method of preserving raw eggs has been used since the 1800s and was common even into the 1940s and 50s when refrigerators became a standard kitchen appliance. Water glassing almost became a lost art. Wow. That's fantastic. Warning, you cannot use commercial eggs for this because they have all had the protective coating or bloom washed off the shell and will quickly go bad. Ah, okay. That's why he mentioned that in the beginning. That makes sense. Right. You can buy calcium hydroxide in 50-pound bags in the masonry section of the hardware store or in one-pound bags in the canning section of the grocery store often labeled as pickling lime. Hmm. There is no need for refrigeration for either fresh eggs nor water-glassed eggs. Even those we do not water-glass are never in our fridge. Wash them, both fresh and water-glass, thoroughly with soapy water before cracking to eat. Sorry for the long-winded email. I didn't think it was going to be so verbose when I started. We thoroughly enjoyed the podcast and you both. 73 KV5 SIX and KR5 SIX. Best, Vern. Hey, Thank Vern. you so thanks. much, Vern. Appreciate the comments too there on the Discord you've been sending me. So thanks. That, that's that's that a was, good idea. Yeah. Uh, that's helpful. That makes me want to get chickens. <laughs> well, I, I think we should just get some pickling lime too, just to have it. Yeah, that's, that's a good like, idea. I mean, just, yes, because uh, sometimes I like to recreate that scene from Fight Club. What what scene? Where he kisses his hand and he dumps the lie on it. Pickling lime is not the I same know. thing as... Oh, okay. It's, it's a skin irritant. <laughs> I see, I see. I don't want to go hardcore full-on lie. We're just going to go pickling lime to start. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. 
Okay, the next email is titled, Just My Two Cents, from Bryson. Hi, Leah and Josh. I was listening to last week's podcast and just had a few thoughts. When it comes to breakfast cereal, growing up, I always liked Reese's Puffs and Captain Crunch, but my parents never wanted to buy that, so we always got Frosted Flakes. In retrospect, I actually preferred those Frosted Flakes to the ones they have today. I'm pretty sure sometime in the early 2000s, Kellogg stopped glazing the Frosted Flakes with as much sugar. That's when they started going downhill. Yep. They removed sugar from sugary cereal? (laughs) What? As a descendant of Japanese immigrants, I find it interesting what textbooks leave out or what you never seem to have time to cover in school. My great-grandparents immigrated to Hawaii to work on the plantation fields. I'm not totally sure when they made the trip, but they might not have even immigrated to the United States, as it could still have been the kingdom of Hawaii at the time. Mm. Both my grandfathers served in World War II and never really wanted to talk about it. It wasn't until after they died that I learned about what happened in the war. I didn't even learn about it in school. It was reading on my own that I came across this information. Seeing as how they lived in Hawaii, my family was never sent to an internment camp. But as a member of the 442nd, one basically seen as disposable and sent on missions that some today argue should have never been done. One interesting fact I learned was that all the members of the 442nd were honorary Texans, for their role in rescuing the lost battalion. Oh, wow. I just find all the recent Asian hate sad when you look at what a lot of them have sacrificed and gone through to be here. I agree. That is, that is really fascinating, Bryson. I didn't know uh, the history of uh, soldiers coming from Hawaii mm-hmm. to fight on behalf of the country. So very interesting. Uh, I think we've mentioned podcasts we like, Hardcore History. Mm-hmm came out with their World War II, the fifth episode on their World War II, focusing just on the Pacific. Really? Um, and the the Eastern countries, so China, Japan, mm-hmm. all, et cetera. Um, well, your grandfather was on the Pacific side. Correct. One was on the Pacific he, side, he was and on, you had another grandfather. He was on Iwo Jima and Saipan, yeah. and um, he went through all of the, all of the, the, the island hopping. And he drove a duck, which a duck is mentioned in the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, amphibious wheeled vehicle. I've been on a duck. You have? Yeah, in Seattle. So just imagine that, but it's a wartime war- vehicle okay. with, with 50 cal machine guns. So then what it. happens is they don't give you a duck beak that that doubles as a whistle. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think so. All right. No. Wow. Yeah, it, that it is was, a different experience. It then. was incredibly fascinating, and it goes um, well before. Actually, it starts out before World War II kicks off and leads up to Pearl Harbor, and they talk about the governing government relations of Japan with the surrounding countries and kind of like the things that happen to China mm-hmm. and all that stuff mm-hmm. in that time. It's incredibly fascinating. You literally have to commit to a very long time to get through all of it, though. Each one of those episodes is like one of our episodes, but longer. <laughs> I'm in. 
but even I'm, longer. I'm in. Five to six hours per episode. Do they talk about Skyline Chili, though? Never. What not about mentioned. York Peppermint Patties? Not mentioned once again. Yeah, I, I'm, I apologize. You lost me. But man, it's good. <laughs> so I'm just throwing it out there. In fact, I'll look up the episode titles uh, as you keep going, Leah. Okay. Bryson continues, on a lighter note, I hope it isn't too late to share my first field day experience, though I'm not going to do it anyway. The club I joined for field day had it one of the members had it in one of the members' backyards. I don't think they made many contacts seeing how as how bad band conditions were horrible, but they didn't seem to mind. While the radios were going, no one seemed to mind that the contacts were few. They were just enjoying talking to each other and teaching us new hams, answering any questions we had. No question was a dumb question. I appreciated that. The club president told me he didn't care if I ever joined the club or came to any meetings. He just wants people to come to the events, have fun, and preferably learn something while you're there. I like the club and look forward to joining them in future events. Very good. Oh, I'm so glad you found a great club. That's very important for field day. The episodes are titled Supernova in the East. Oh, okay. Six, six episodes. Wow. Yeah. On my own that night, I managed to make 10 or so contacts. It was crazy on 40 meters. I was having trouble making out people calling CQ since it seemed like someone else was right on top of them. It was nice that even in the middle of the night, there were people, but I think I prefer the non-contest days where there's actually space to hear people. Mm. I'm not sure if anyone has suggested this or if I've suggested it before, but have you thought of a podcast shirt that says one X crew? Yes, we have gotten that suggestion before. Thank you. I, I do like that. That it would yeah. just be like one X crew and then have the logo on the back or something. Yeah, yeah. I I will look into it. But this. it it'll only come in black with white lettering. So it's like yeah. a logo shirt. <laughs> yeah. You're with the band. Well, I guess it would be logo on front and one X crew on the back, because that would be the staff shirt, right? Nice. Right. Yeah, I see what you did there. And you have the logo like, yeah, I, I'm with you. I like it. Probably not first, definitely not last, but happily in the middle, Bryson N7HNL. Middle crew. Thanks, Bryson. <laughs> and thank you for sharing that uh, history of your family. Thank, thank you to your grandparents for their service. We got to put a shirt together before um, Hamvention. Not Hamvention. Huntsville. Oh, really? I think so. Oh. It's like the boutonniere at our wedding. How will anyone recognize the Hammer to Crash Course podcast crew? Or just the Hammer to Crash Course people? That's how will we true. recognize each other? How will, how will you know? How, how will you know? How, how, will, how will you know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll figure that out. The next email is titled Dairy Goats, the American Goat Federation. And this is from Thomas. The American Goat Federation is Thomas or? is a it's from Thomas. OK. Thomas is a fantastic researcher because when he <laughs> yes. listens to the podcast and I mention something mm-hmm. that I am curious about, Thomas ends up finding the link mm-hmm. and sending it to me. Just yes. so, so helpful, Thomas. Thank you. So Thomas says he gives a link to uh, American Goat Federation's link about breeds of dairy goats. Thomas says we have five pygmy goats when we lived in rural Malibu slash Ventura County. 
Okay. Note, goats like to eat plant leaves and soft bark, ivy, alfalfa hay, but not lawn grass. Sheep eat grass. Baby goats are cute, need a lot of attention, and companion animals. That is good information. That's <laughs> the companion animals may <laughs> may not work out too well for us. Do corgis count as companion animals? I, I'm, so I, I'm on board here. I want to be really clear. Like if we do get uh, end up like in a space where we can have animals, we have to have. Oh, I thought you were going to say if we end up in a situation where I come home and there's a goat, I'm no. not going to get rid of it. <laughs> no. We have to have one of those geese that's for protecting the animals. Watch you, geese. Have you seen those geese? Geese are mean. Dude, I'm I'm down. So I'm not scared of a goose. I'm still standing here saying that. I don't care. I Swans. had a flock of geese attack me. I know. <laughs> I everybody's got a goose story. I don't understand it. I don't understand. They well, don't you have were teeth. there. You were there and you didn't stop them. I was laughing. You were just recording me laughing. Yes. <laughs> I was. It was hilarious. I could have I, been goosed. Okay. <laughs> that's a very specific thing. <laughs> uh, the, these watch geeses, they, they are geese, they they like will hear something and come out and like engage like violent predators with with air attacks, which is hilarious. I, I, I think that's hilarious. Well, I'm also a big. How dog, do you keep a geese, a, a goose? You got to keep feeding it. And just like. From flying away. The goose just has to like the place. He's like, you got a pretty cool place here. I'm going to hang out for a little while. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> You've just got to feed it until it's too fat to fly away. Is what no, I mean, because you still got it. It's still got to be tough. It can't just be all show and no go. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's buffing up. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, then you got to have a tiny little like workout bench set up for the, for the goose. Some kind of wing straps with weights that he can wear or she, I guess, you know. I'm open-minded when All it comes right. to our attack goose. Okay, but... Or geese. We can't just stick with the corgi then. I mean, the corgi's fine, but <laughs> not now, not here. Here, It's a pygmy goat, though. I, I don't care. It's so small. I don't care. Okay. And that's Thomas, AD6TW. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. Very helpful. We're just gonna have to move to Malibu. That's what so Thomas the did. Rural area of Malibu slash Ventura. He started it's out saying Malibu, Malibu, and I went, "No, Leia, <laughs> no, it is not." They've got a country mart out there that's lovely. I'm sure wherever he lived in rural Ventura slash Malibu was not by the country mart. You don't know. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty confident. The next email is from Tom. It's titled Book Suggestion. Leia, not movies, but a book series. Post a natural disaster with ham radio as a key component. Lots of other good information in the form of a novel. Love the podcast. And this book series is called Cascadia Fallen. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah? I think, nah, maybe not. It's by Austin Chambers, and oh, they went on sale on Independence Day. I missed the sale, and that's. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a look at this and I'll post the information in the show notes. Thank you for the suggestion, Tom. And Tom's sign off is: the beautiful thing about learning is that nobody can take it away from you. That's true. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. The next email is from 11 meter correspondent Drew. Okay. Leah and Josh, thanks for more great podcast material. I have a couple of things to catch you up on here. First, Josh, you and your soundboard. I just got some new wireless earbuds and they've been fantastic. (laughs) They have active noise canceling and a hear through function, which makes it great for work. I can listen at lower volumes on the machine and use hear through when off the machine so I can be aware of what's going on around me. The problem is I've discovered when I laugh, they seem to lose their sense of fit and fall out. (laughs) Oh, no. I know because your sad trombone sound made me laugh. (laughs) There's a there's another I I have bone conducting headphones now. Oh, yeah. You don't look at all like a dork when you wear those. (laughs) Or when I'm playing ham radio or anything else that I do. No, the ham radio is fine. Okay. The the bone conductive Walking around ones. like a backwards Jordy LaForge. <laughs> a backwards Jordy LaForge. Wow. Wow. Uh, the advantage of the bone conducting ones is they don't actually cover the ear at all. So you can hear completely normal, but the music is like pumped into your head. Yeah, that's so soothing. Well, you don't have to listen to it Pump loud. it right into the bone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Drew says, I'm not asking you to stop making me laugh. Just try to be careful with that soundboard. Here's one for free. (laughs) There you go. Um, Cereal. I've got a hot take on that. And if this doesn't start either a discussion or a call to drum me out of the community, nothing will. My favorite cereal is Frosted Mini Wheats. You can get right out of here with that. They get soggy so, so fast. So fast. How many? Uh, oh, you're you're a very dangerous man going with a whole nine frosted mini weights that you put. It's amazing you think that you can complete those nine in thirty seconds before they completely get soggy. You know those cereal bowls that separate the milk from the cereal so that only a spoonful of full ends up in the milk at a time. That was designed for frosted mini weights. I used to straight up like just dip those in milk for a second <laughs> and then eat them like a chip. And halfway through your bite, it was already soggy. Yeah, it was already soggy. I used to eat them dry. Like I, I don't. They I, are so dry when they're I'm dry. I'm not though. against frosted mini wheats, but man, like if you don't eat those suckers fast, which r- then you're right back into scraping the hell That's, out of your mouth, it, the roof of your mouth. Frosted mini wheats are in the same category as cookie crisps. They belong in a Ziploc bag, <laughs> not eaten in a bowl of cereal. I, I'm not. So, so to have something called frosted mini wheats. There must have not been, there must have been just a wheat. <laughs> a regular sized wheat. But. Could you imagine? I'm not, I'm not just, done. I'm not done. There was a regular sized wheat. No. My mom used to get the regular sized wheat. 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 It was, it would, it was literally like two packs of cards, like end to end. Like it was huge. <laughs> and you just eat it like a cracker? No, you'd break it up in your bowl and you'd eat it. It, it was almost like a cereal, like a, a warm cereal. You would like put the milk in and then oh, put it in the microwave. Oh, that nice actually. Yeah. So it, it's That's more right like up a, the grape nuts alley. <laughs> it is more like grape nuts than anything. And so people would put fruit and other stuff in it. And then they were like, well, this isn't selling because this is a, like a kit. 
This is, uh, th- we're basically selling you tortillas, and you still have to go through the process of putting the things in the tortilla. Uh, so the wheat became miniaturized, and then they frosted it. But yeah, there was a whole lineage of the wheat. I see. The wheat pillow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Such a deep cereal knowledge. The first time I saw that, I was like, what's that? And she's like, it's a wheat. <laughs> like, what? I'm like, I don't even know if that's the name of it, but like she would open the box and like, you know, shake like she's going to shake out some cereal and like two of these things would fall out and like <laughs> slam the table. I'm like, how many are in a box? She's like, the two. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Wow. Early memories. Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Some kind of Lucky's brand white box with a blue stripe on it. <laughs> Drew continues, on to Nathan and his podcast production scamming cohort. These, <laughs> these quote-unquote pre-email multi-day recording things need a name, and I can provide one. Being a fan of Formula One racing, I, frequently, I watch frequently, and in qualifying, there is usually a time in each session for most of the drivers to make two shots at a qualifying time. Is Formula One what open your, wheel racing your um, your brother in law Ryan is into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, open wheel racing with turns. Yeah, if you have ever seen any article about Formula One written by by Ryan, what's his last name? Just say Ryan. What's his last name? Wow, you're really putting yourself out there today. Yeah, <laughs> and dragging me along with you. <laughs> Jerneka. Got it. I knew that too. Boom. Boom. I also knew that. <laughs> Ryan Jerneka. That is our brother-in-law, and he is a huge fan of Formula One and a fantastic writer. Yes. Typically, they go out early and get a lap in that should be at least good enough to get them into the next ses- session, and thus one step closer to the pole position to start. These early laps are known as banker laps, i.e. a fast lap in the bank. Might not be the fastest lap, but it's a lap. It's good enough. And if something goes sideways, like another driver crashing, causing the session to be stopped, a banker lap will get the driver through to the next session. Leah, what is the pole position? Uh, Is that where they start? (laughs) It is related to where they start, yeah. Is that where the flag is held? No. It's the first car. Oh, okay. Good enough. So these are quote unquote banker emails. There's probably a shirt in there somewhere. (laughs) So on to another hobby of mine. This is also on Josh. He brought up the Titanic and mentioned a sister ship. The Titanic is a hobby of mine. For Mm -hmm. nearly 30 years, I've collected information on it simply for my own curiosity, which started with a term paper I wrote on the Titanic while I was in high school. So the sister ships are the Olympic and the Britannic. Ah, As unsinkable ships go, they don't have a very good record. No, they do not. As the Britannic sank in 1916. That's two out of three. Mm Mm-hmm for those keeping track. Fortunately, due to laws passed after the Titanic sank, only 30 people died with over a thousand rescued. We had more boats. The more you know. I believe the Olympic was actually sent out to go to where the Titanic was uh, its last communication. It was one of the boats that was sent on the rescue, but it was so far away, it was more of like a gesture. Ah, I see. Yeah. 
73 Drew, a.k.a. Trailhound. P.S. Leah, I want to thank you for your stories about your family and how they arrived in the U.S. I think that the comments made about the wedding are despicable. So this is in reference to last week we talked about a a comment left on your YouTube video about uh, trying to operate from the wedding. And the comment was commie wedding, which got me very heated in the last uh, last podcast. Drew continues, it has been my experience that what makes someone an American citizenship aside is an attitude, one that says a person knows they can succeed on hard work if they're given a fair shot, and a fair shot being the only thing they need to be given. Everything else they will work their fingers to the bone for and do with great joy simply for knowing they will have the opportunity to reap the benefits of their own hard work. Thank you. Yes. This well said. to me that has always been the spirit of America from the the first settlers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's uh, meanwhile. I mean, it's literally like we said. It's it's the American tradition. Yes, and I think we're getting kind of further away from that than we ever have. Well, Drew touches on that. Mm-hmm. Drew says, meanwhile, I have also seen people born in this country fail for lack of willingness to work in spite of having every possible advantage simply because they have been given too much. I applaud your restraint in when discussing this topic, knowing there are people out there who will react in inappropriate ways. You are the bigger person for it. I would not handle it as well as you. All the best, Drew. Thank you so much, Drew. Mm-hmm. That is Thank so you, kind. Mm-hmm. I don't always have great restraint. <laughs> uh, the next email is titled Exercise, Exercise, Exercise. And this is from Justin. Exercise, dot, yeah. dot, dot. Eggs are sides, dot, dot, dot. Eggs are sides for bacon, dot, dot, dot bacon hi guys i don't know what specifically scott was referring to last week but perhaps it may be similar and scott's email was titled uh, exercise 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 yes but perhaps it may be similar to a procedure used in ham radio communications utilized in military exercises okay i remember when i was active duty security forces aka military police for the usaf While running exercise operations, we were required to use the term exercise Hmm. before and after transmissions relating to the exercise. This was to make clear that things being discussed (laughs) and coordinated were not real world emergencies. Yeah. Okay. All right. There are a number of people on the installations that are not directly involved in day-to-day operations that have radios programmed to the same frequencies in case they are needed. If one of those people turned on a radio and heard traffic about an active shooter, bomb threat, or hostage situation, and were not privy to the fact that this was merely an exercise, it could lead to a lot of confusion and a bad day for a lot of people. Because of that, the procedure of announcing exercise during the transmission lets people know the true nature of the situation. 
For those passing simulated MCOM traffic over ham radio, it could be a smart move to make it as far as safety goes as to not cause any undue panic. Either way, I don't know if that's exactly what he was talking about, but that's what popped into my head when I was listening to the last podcast. That's probably that's probably the way to, to take it. I, and, I, I think that's smart too. Yeah, yeah. why not? In other news, since I've put up my 80 meter full wave loop, I've been loving life. Kind of. Okay. I've been amazed at the weak single sideband signals I can hear. However, these clearly heard voices from far off lands have eluded my log for one reason. Power. All of these contacts to Asia, the Middle East, and parts of Europe seem to hear everybody else in the country better. Here in Florida, I seem to be just one hop further than everybody else. Would I be wrong to assume this is the situation that would call for an amp? You're not wrong. I've been looking at the Ameritron 811H, have watched your video on it, and plan to pair it with an LDG AT1000 Pro 2. It's called a Prol. It's Prol. Prol, Okay. Thank you very much. No, it is Pro 2, but the 2 is right next to the Pro. Oh. So I jokingly was calling it the Oh, because it's a two it's a, a pro Roman and numeral. Then two, got it. Two single Roman numerals, right? Yeah, so it, got it's it. I just call it the prole. Got and it. And everybody got all mad in the comments. <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's what it says. There's no space. Uh, I've been searching for an answer to a particular question that has been difficult to find. Even in the 811's manual, what is the maximum SWR allowable the amp can take before needing a tuner? Currently, my loop is resonant under 2 to 1 on almost every HF band except 75 meters, and I only use my tuner there. Mm -hmm. When working the other bands, I'm usually at 1.8 or less. Can I expect to use the amp on those bands without tuning SWR, or should I run the tuner anyway prior to kicking off the standby switch? I'm just cautious about dropping bills on a new toy and turning it into a paperweight on the first key. Okay, so the the straight answer to that is it depends. You know, that's the ham radio answer of, of choice for everybody. I wouldn't. Uh, I would just get the tuner and just get on with life, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're... You're not putting a big strain on your amp and you're putting out, your amp would be putting out the most power that it can um, in in a specific situation with that amp in line because that amp is a 1,000 amp, sorry, that tuner can handle 1,000 amps, which is what you want, so that's good. Um, So the 811.8 would do, the 811 uh, will do the best it can in that situation. If you start giving it more SWR, you're not going to be able to get more of your power out. You're going to get more reflected power. So it's it's not going to work as effectively in that case. So I would generally just go with the with the tuner in line. Okay. My recommendation. All right. Well, Justin continues. This turned into an, an appreciably longer email than I expected. I wonder if it's possible for anybody to write an email long enough that you need to continue it on your second day of recording. I think we wouldn't read it. (laughs) At some point, we would have to... No, I would read it. And Josh has no control over that. Well, I can just stop. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time out of your evenings. Edit it out. We're like... (laughs) 
<laughs> and then on to the next email. What happened? What happened? <laughs> Thanks for taking time out of your evenings to keep all of us entertained. And thank you, Josh, for helping me put a name to the thing I've been experiencing for years now. Now I know I'm not alone with my intrusive thoughts. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear if more people comment on that. Because yeah. it's, it's just like everything's fine. We don't need to do anything. But what if I did something completely ridiculous right now? <laughs> Y'all take care and keep the podcast coming. Team York shirt idea, Justin K O four C E Q. No, thank we're you. Not gonna brand. <laughs> thank you so much, Justin. <laughs> we're not gonna run somebody else's brand. Ask. Go send that to York. <laughs> yeah. Gonna end up, up on Twitter. <laughs> The next email is from Vern again. Second email in a week. It's as bad as going to Walmart again. <laughs> okay. Greetings, Leia and Josh. I swear I rarely go to Walmart, but since listening to your podcast, I've been there twice in the last month. That almost never happens to me. <laughs> I truly think the last time I was there in 2019, prior to going a few weeks ago... You haven't been to Walmart since 2019? Wow. That's amazing. I don't, I think it depends on your Walmart. We've got a pretty good Walmart. But it just has everything. And it's, it's like a one-stop shop and it's cheaper than Target. Mm-hmm. It has you know? lots of things. It doesn't have everything. I mean, not everything, but they definitely have things like bait and fishing poles mm-hmm. and I guess they don't have ammo anymore. But they don't have ammo anymore. They do everywhere else but California. They used to have ammo and people would camp out when there was... 22. An, yeah. When the 22 shortage was yep. around, yeah. Exactly. Good thing you got that 42,022s. <laughs> Shooting 22 is the most fun. 22 rifles are the best. They are very fun. That is my shooter of choice my shoot my make shoots of yeah when we go to the shooting range i love shooting that why do you put the fish in the barrel to make shoots of yes exactly Vern continues while there today i had to try the junior mints they're just so so in my book yorks are so much better there's a texture difference Yorks have the right ratio of chocolate to mint, in my opinion. This is that whole Reese's miniature versus Reese's cup discussion. The miniatures have too much chocolate. Okay. It's too thick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Yorks are highly underrated. And since I'm preparing for my 10-day trip to Huntsville, I have to test out as many different Texas craft beers as I I can before I go. Oh, man. That way I'll know what to load in the Yeti and introduce to Josh in Huntsville. That's so nice. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. Aw. My wife is calling bull hockey and that I didn't buy and didn't buy it when I tried to blame both of my weaknesses. I'm doing research. The candy and beer on you. I just don't understand why. She totally blamed you last week when I was at Walmart and bought the Yorks. I don't question much, though. I have a feeling my new Flex 6400 might hang in the balance if I do. (laughs) Oh, man. Smart man. Smart man. As for ham radio, I loved Josh's recent Go Box project with the IC7300. You're going to see it soon again. 
I am doing the same to my IC7300 to make room on my main station's desk for the new Flex 6400 <laughs> I intend to bring home from Huntsville. I'm eager to play radio in the park that entire week. I will be there for 10 days in all and intend to do as much mobile HF as possible while there. I'm bringing the IC7300, an older IC718, and an IC702 MK2G. In fact, you've heard of a Go Boxes? I'm bringing the Go Camper. Darn near bringing my entire shack in my camper trailer, complete with a soldering station, etc. Oh, smart. Very good. It's been decades since I've had a me-only camping trip, and I'm going to be a nerd the entire time there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's great. Someone mentioned in the Discord that all the HRCC folks should try to get together while in Huntsville. I certainly hope that happens. Yes, and we will. And it will be among other YouTubers. So, so by the way, I'm going to be at the show, Huntsville. I'm going to tell people where I'm at. And I'm going to be making videos and stuff, but we can all just walk around together. It's not like it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we can all wear leather jackets and we can do like <laughs> snaps. Get cuts. And we do snaps. You get we cuts do... with a, a patch on the back. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we yeah. get cuts and, and, and everybody just gets out of the way. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> It's like the Disneyland cuts. That, oh my God. The, no, we're not doing that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm everybody close. rolls up on a Harley. It's very confusing. No. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to be all over the place. You're going to see me. With that said, Saturday, Friday and Saturday, there are after hours events that the YouTubers are putting together. It's either going to be Friday or it's going to be Saturday and they're going to flip. But don't worry, I'm going to talk about it on the live streams. One of those days is a brewery day, and the other day is hanging out at the campsite. There is a campsite that a lot of the YouTubers are staying at because they have RVs. Well, it sounds like maybe Vern might be staying at a campsite. Well, yeah, there, there's been some issues with the campsite. I don't know the full state of the campsite because I'm flying in. I'm not camping. I'm staying at the I'm staying at the hotel for the show. Right. But I'll be there uh, at some point in the evening whenever that evening is everybody's just going to bring their ham radios to your hotel room for storage <laughs> uh, we're not doing that <laughs> okay <laughs> Vern can i mean I, I you can but i can't guarantee you'll get it back you know that's the mm -hmm. thing i'm like I just, i'm just gonna go do a review guys bye <laughs> send me a qsl card where you want it Anyhow, we are both loving the podcast. Keep up the excellent entertainment. My wife says to tell you, your adorable laugh keeps her hooked on the podcast. Well, thank you, Vern's wife. I, <laughs> I like my laugh, too. 73KR5, SIX, and KV5, SIX, Vern and Renee. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Vern and Renee. And, and Renee, the beer in the York. It's fantastic. Great pairs for ham radio operating. <laughs> you can really get the sensation. Get, <laughs> the next email is titled Songs in the Key of Ham. Okay. What key do you think ham is in? Can you can you sing it? No. And this is from Bunny. Hi, Leia and Josh. I recently heard the new song, No Plans for Love by DJ D-Nice and had one of those, 
you know you're a ham when moments. At the top of the song, D-Nice says, welcome to CQ. Oh. Of course, I immediately thought, could this be an amazing amateur radio reference and a popular R&B tune on the radio? Of course not. Of course not. I eventually learned that DJ Nice's CQ actually refers to Club Quarantine, an online dance club and pop culture phenomenon <laughs> he started last year during lockdown that I was clearly unaware of. Bunny, you and me both. We yeah, did no not idea. know about this. Did not know. <laughs> However, Josh's addition new edition of sound clips to the podcast made me think that a snippet of welcome to cq might be a fun sound oh he could play oh that's not bad okay i see what you did there i like that this song incident made me ponder about actual ham radio references in music the only one i can dredge up is steely dan's song king of the world the song starts off with hello one and all was it you i used to know can't you hear me on this old ham radio? Huh. This cannot possibly be the only reference to amateur radio in music. And wonder if you guys or my fellow correspondents have other songs to add to this list. Well, that I mean, there's be, that yeah. there's that YouTube video. See you on the airwaves or see you on the band. Oh, yeah, that's like that. right. And it's literally the music video is them like stand like they climbed up their tower and okay. sang from it. Oh, that's amazing. That's the music video. Yeah. I wish that REM's What's the Frequency, Kenneth, had anything to do with radio broadcasting, but alas, we know that it does not. Tangentially related earlier this year, I read the first Dune book and had a subsequent moment of pure joy when shortly afterward, I heard Fatboy Slim's song Weapon of Choice and realized for the very first time that the song makes a Dune reference with the line, walk without rhythm and it won't attract the worm. Oh my gosh, yeah. Bunny, I, even, you I, have I, I just was literally running the Josh's lyrics in my head. I'm mind. like, what, what, what <laughs> line? Yeah, wow, that's really f crazy. Great Scott, it felt like my eyes were finally open. I was previously familiar the with the David Lynch film adaptation but my brain had never made this specific connection i didn't either and i used to listen to that song all the time this is probably and also not the new video with christopher walken yes the, that's the video uh-huh he's flying around the hotel this is probably not new information for josh but i couldn't think of anyone better with whom to share this moment of nerd joy no you got me i, I never yeah. even put two and two together everybody everybody who's listening to the podcast that has watched or read dune is like mind blown Right yeah, I didn't even now. think of I, I did not put two and two together. That was a great, great catch. I hope you guys had a great week keeping it one X bunny. P.S. A big thanks to Leia for rekindling my love affair with York peppermint patties. Oh, man. <laughs> I have been waking my way through a party size bag of minis. That's the perfect size. Actually, that party size because those patties are the right it's, size. Yeah. It's a party for you. <laughs> party of one. And recently discovered a little piece of heaven when I put a dollop of crunchy peanut butter on top of a chilled mini York patty. I don't know what prompted this unusual action, but I promise it resulted in an excellent discovery of deliciousness. Please consider trying it. PPS 1984. I assume you know by now what I'm referring to. Yes. Yeah. I mistakenly said 
Fahrenheit 451. I said 1984. It was 1984. I think she just she just in, ignores me and she just listens to you. In reference to book burnings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, book burnings is Fahrenheit 451. The, oh, what was it? Oh, Big Brother. It was the whole thing okay. was more on the 1984 side. Gotcha. You know why she put the peanut butter on, on the York peppermint patty? Why? Because she was yearning for a more superior chocolate experience. No. <laughs> I, Bunny, I am going to try this. But while we're on the topic of weird food combinations, there's this guy on TikTok mm-hmm. who I can't figure out whether he is like just trolling people <laughs> or if these food combinations are good. And I ended up trying the mustard on watermelon. Mm-hmm. And that was actually quite good. Okay. It's a little bit like tahini on watermelon. Sure. Right? It's, it, it's something salty and vinegary. Yes. That makes the sweetness like pop. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I'm on the fence about everything else he's suggesting. Is there anything else weird that he suggests? Everything. That's what his entire TikTok has oh my become. Gosh. He used to be a skincare TikTok. Oh, <laughs> and found this weird niche. I'm just going to recommend you eat things weird like. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. I'll actually drop a link to his uh, TikTok if I can find it because i actually didn't end up following him i was so upset (laughs) (laughs) okay but he he pops up occasionally so thank you so much bunny that you really had a light bulb moment (laughs) for everyone right now that was that was good that was yeah that was really good the next email is titled Podcast Audio Drop, and this is from Carl. Hi, Josh and Leia. Now that it's convenient to add audio drops to the show, I'd like to make a submission for your consideration. It is attached. Um, it's a robot lady saying, that's dank. Although it kind of sounds like say, she's saying that stank. Yeah, that was part of the problem. This submission is in honor of my Discord pal, Alec, and for TPT, who has helped me a lot with ham-related technical questions, who is a big fan of the word dank. Please use it however you see fit. Yeah, I, I, I did. So there are a couple emails that Leia will take a look at. That was one of them that got forwarded to me, and I, I did reply and say, give me something a little bit more legible and and a little bit more like... Get closer to Siri and less like the voice that was being used. <laughs> Carl, who is yeah. his um, Discord name is Fine Business. Yeah. Sent another audio drop, and that one is titled Appreciably Dank. Yeah, and that one was also <laughs> difficult to copy. All right. Thank you so much for those sound I, I clips. I appreciate it. I We do appreciate it. Yes. Just, uh, you, know, you know, it's got to be... You know, sound dropish that fits the podcast a little bit. That sure, one was a little bit sure. outside. Make uh, it a little more hammy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with the word dank. I just, you know, I actually do have a thought of where I can use it within the podcast. But it's got to fit a little bit better. Got it. The next email is titled Week 2, the setup to the much-anticipated story. Mm. And this is from Toby. Mm. Good evening, classy nasses. As promised, here's this week's email to help the length good keep the length good and long. Stay tuned next week when I detail the calamity that befell me when I tried to work in HF digital mode for the first time. For now, though, go ahead and refresh your beverage and relax while I ramble. 
I'll start with some final comments from last week. I understand why we use UTC when announcing times, but what I don't understand is why the American Radio Relay League starts something at 2 p.m. Having said that, Josh makes a great point about how the setup and only having 24 hours after setup to operate. That makes a bit more sense to me now. Regarding the pronunciation of my name, it is Toby, even though it the grammatically proper way, according to the arbitrary rules of the English <laughs> language, would be Tobe. <laughs> I may have mentioned this before, but I'm actually named after an Asian man and his parents spelled the name phonetically. Mm-hmm. Side note, do you guys remember Bonzi Buddy? The yes. purple gorilla that was available on computers back in the 90s. Yeah. It was basically an assistant like Clippy, but also included early speech th- synthesis software that said anything you typed into it. He also pronounced my name Tobe. God, now I'm dating myself. I don't remember Bonzi Buddy. Bonzi Buddy was the way I knew that like when I was helping somebody out with their computer mm-hmm. that I my whole rest of my day is shot because that computer had AIDS. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Yeah, it is. Bonzi Buddy was like the, the purest moment in computers where somebody would have an e-machine that they were trying to run Bonzi Buddy on. And they're like, I don't understand why I can't run my Quicken. And you're like, yeah, because Bonzi Buddy is literally, literally hogging all the resources. What did Bonzi Buddy It was a purple monkey that danced around the desktop and like whatever apps you ran and like ran around doing things. <gasps> no, I do remember Bonzi Buddy. It was horrible. It was horrible. I, Horrible. I I remember the cat on OSX. Do you remember that was, was built into the operating system? It's adorable. This you was, should do that more. This was an application <laughs> that like to to do the overlaying of the of the character over the top of the of the other apps and and all the stuff that it was doing. That was using a ridiculous amount of resources. So it slowed the computer to a crawl. And nobody knew how to like... <laughs> and computers were already slow back Yeah, and, and they didn't know how to get rid of it once they got it on there. And it was, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. That was a bad... That was a dark time in computers. So Toby continues, Last, my wife listened to last week's podcast with me and was very surprised to hear Leia give her a shout out. Thank you for that. You're so welcome, Toby's wife. Okay, on to this week's topic, shacks. I did include a bunch of pictures that you can post on the Discord if you wish so the listeners can check them out. Or also feel free, Toby, to drop them in the HRCC shacks chat too. Yes, you know, yeah. They're, they're going to like seeing these pictures because I'm, I'm seeing them for the first time right now and it, it it's really nice. Let's start with my home shack. As I mentioned last week, I have the Yesu FT991A and I love it. Mm-hmm. This is set up on my desk, which is located on the second floor at the back of my house. I wanted to be able to eventually use digital modes, so I went ahead and bought myself a Raspberry Pi 4 kit after watching Josh's live stream on how you can use a Pi as a shack computer. Yeah, I see that. I used some 3M Velcro-style sticky tape to mount it securely to the top of the 991 so that it would remain in place when it is here at the house, but also in the event that I took the 991 out in the field. 
The stock speaker on the 9-on-1 isn't bad, but since I had a spare speaker, I decided to use it and set it on top of the 991. I have a dual monitor set up on my desk, but since that is primarily for work, I decided to make use of an otherwise unused Android tablet and set up VNC control of the Pi. Yeah, I, that's what I'm looking at right now. It looks good. The last piece I'll mention is the ZoomSpot Nexian 3.5 Pi-based hotspot, which is mounted to the upright monitor post with that same 3M Velcro-style tape. I use that for C4 FM work with both the 991A and my Yesu FT3DR, which is also on my desk in the charging slash docking station. Since the 991 has coax inputs, one for HF and the other one for VHF, UHF, I have two antennas that I use. Note, I live in an HOA. That's when you do the womp womp sound. You need a womp. Yeah. <laughs> and both of Josh's live streams on antenna options for HOAs came in very helpful. Good. The coax. Co- the coax. <laughs> The coax comes out of the back of the radio and runs through a small hole I drilled in the ceiling into the attic. In the attic, I have an Ed Fong base station antenna that is suspended from the rafters. I chose to have the transformer for the Chameleon MCOM 2 suspended from the rafters as well, and I pushed the antenna wire out of the peak of the roof and ran that down across the backyard to a tree where I secured it through the insulator with a screw. To my amazement, none of my neighbors have noticed the wire at all. Even my wife didn't see it until I pointed it out. To anyone out there who thinks that HOA-friendly antenna means that you won't have an enjoyable radio experience, that is simply not true. With a simple setup and only the 100 watts the 991 puts out, I am able to be heard out about 800 to 900 miles and i'm able to hear others literally around the world color me happy wow, wow, i'm looking at quite the setup i i'm uh i'm looking at the the way he mounted it on the tree i'm not if that um i can't tell from the picture but it looks like there's a big washer that holds the bolt in you might want to change that to something that's non-resonant i don't think it matters that much but um, you don't want to couple with that screw going into the tree if you don't have to. Just a thought if, if you're thinking about trying something. Okay. Next, I'll tell you about my primary vehicle. I'm fortunate enough to have a work-provided vehicle. However, because of that, I don't have the luxury of drilling holes for the antenna mounts, and I don't feel comfortable risking damage with the lip mount. What I decided to do was go for a compact antenna and put that on a magnet NMO mount I got from Amazon. I mounted it on the hood and ran the coax line along the body panels and through the driver's door underneath the driver's seat where the body of my mobile radio is. I ran the power cables direct from the battery though and the firewall and terminated them under the driver's seat. The radio I'm running in the vehicle is a Yesu FTM 400X DR that I got from an estate sale. Wow, that's a good cool. score. I chose this radio because I really like APRS. I chose this radio because I got it at an estate sale. 
I have become very accustomed to the Yesu menu layout. I have the body underneath the driver's seat, as I mentioned before, and decided to mount the faceplate head unit using a magnetic phone mount and the corresponding metal plate. This allows me to hide it beneath the steering wheel a bit and easily take it off when the vehicle is parked. That's cool. pretty smart. Yeah. I'm getting close to the end, I promise. Last is my recreational vehicle. Not your typical one, I suppose, as I actually ride motorcycles. See, Toby needs a cut. See, Toby needs a cut. Toby needs motor- a cut. Yeah, exactly. HRCC cut. Or the a cut with a HRCC patch on it. Sure. I mean, you're not sure. your primary. Yet. Yeah. Since I love APR, what do you... What are the, you know how the um, cuts end up getting like different patches on them for what you've accomplished in the... Stabbed a guy? Yeah. <laughs> this one is like DX. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know what the other... Ball Poda. Ball hammer to do. Poda, soda. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Since Got a 3% on there. Only 3% of hams activate soda summits. Yeah. <laughs> Of it's a, a goat. It's a goat. <laughs> it's a goat. Oh, yeah. so there you go. A goat. That would work. So a goat would be good. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. sloth. Yeah. Yeah. Since I love APRS and I really like that my wife can track me on my rides and I know where to she likes that help. <laughs> yes, she does. I'm sure. God forbid that's needed. I'm simply running my Yesu FT 3DR in my tank bag. I purchased a battery delete from Amazon that fits the FT2 and FT3, so I'm not running down my batteries on longer rides. This gives me the ability to use those batteries in the radio when I park the bike and head further off into the woods for a hike. I bought some Apache hard cases from Harbor Freight and used those as my side cases and chose to mount an antenna onto one of those instead of modifying the motorcycle itself. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He's got a Suzuki. Um, it's a it's a road bike, but it's more of a standard setup. And he's got the two tank boxes and the antenna. He's got a signal stuff, signal stick, uh, mobile uh, radio. Yes, antenna. He, he says the antenna I chose is a signal stuff, signal stock. Yeah, not stick. This is a new offering from them, and since I have the signal stick that I norm I use normally on the FT3, I have loved the performance and decided to give it a go. It has greatly helped the performance of the 5-watt output of the FT3 and allowed my APRS beacon to be picked up more often. Yeah, not bad. Pretty good. Before Nicely set this, up. It's very clean. I yeah, would, definitely drop those on the uh, HRCC shacks, or, or we'll try to remember yeah, to put it in the podcast. Yeah. Before this, I was simply running the FT3 in a backpack with the signal stick popping out of the top of it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I still use the backpack setup when I'm riding my other motorcycle. That about sums up my shacks. Don't worry, though, as next week we get into the juicy stuff, including the backstory of why I can't send these emails via Winlink. Thank you. <laughs> that seems why? ominous. <laughs> Thank you both for all that you do to continue providing knowledge and education while making it entertaining and easy to follow. I, I just saw a setup that he could actually do Winlink on with the antenna that he has. So I'm, I don't know. Oh, see, this is where it gets spooky. Am I right? That's why it's spooky? a creaky door for the correspondence tower. Spooky, though. Well, spooky? Yeah, I mean, you don't know why. Maybe it's but a, why does that mean? Why? Maybe it's a Windlink ghost. I don't know. A Windlink ghost? 
Until next week, stay safe and keep propagating. Yours truly, K-T-O-B-E-G, Toby, hashtag 1X crew. P.S. Leia, I provided links to all everything I talked about in this message to help give you some time back when putting together the show notes. Now go get some sleep. Thank you so much, Toby. That is so nice. The Monster Machine crew finds the ghost and takes the takes the mask off. It was <laughs> old man Winlink the whole time. <laughs> if it weren't It was O M Winlink yeah. the whole time. <laughs> what? If it weren't for those meddling HRCC it correspondents. For those meddling hams. <laughs> Okay, the next email is titled T-Shirt Idea from Ron. Helvetica T-Shirt Ideas. HRCC 1X Crew. Crew spelled with a C-R umlauted U. (laughs) Okay. Any color, I wear a 3X and Josh can save the shipping and just bring it to me in August at Huntsville (laughs) Fest. 73 Ritz K04LYX. Uh, super confident there, Ron. I think I like, like the roadie we'll shirt more. I, I like the roadie shirt idea more with the logo <laughs> and then the one X crew on the back and have nobody understand what's going on. That would be a fun Huntsville. I feel like how many days is Huntsville? Do you need an HRCC shirt for every day in Huntsville? Yeah. You just got to have two shirts. You got to have a wow. wardrobe change. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get smelly. You're not going to wear the same shirt you twice. You almost have to wear one onto the plane though. Right, if you're if you're flying there, I don't know. So because you can make ham friends in the airport. <laughs> okay. You know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. The next email is titled "Grain Belt Beer Made Twenty Miles from Me and Growing Things." Had it. We've had it. And the, yes, Minnesota. This is from Mike. Grain Belt Beer was taken over by the second oldest brewery in the United States, Shell's Brewery. It's a small brewer in the city of New Ulm that still has a very German heritage to this day. It survived even the Prohibition era. You asked about they just kept making it. <laughs> <laughs> because they broke the law. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that's not what he meant. They stated business, but uh, I, I think that's funny. Yeah. You asked about the growing season in Minnesota. First, a fun fact, there's only one month where we have never received any snow in Minnesota. It's July. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> there is only one month Let's where we make have sure I never this correctly. received any snow in Minnesota, and it's July. So the all the eleven other months, you you can have snow. I mean, it doesn't stay for very long in the other months, you know, the summer months. But yes, that is what he said. See, these are the areas where people are like really worried about frost for their plants. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Because in California, when you buy seeds, it's like plant after the the last frost. And it's like, I'm going to plant this right now. (laughs) I didn't have a first one. So, and I checked my farmer's almanac, my poor Richard's almanac. And it said, I haven't had one since 1986. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to gamble on this one. Man, typically the growing season is April to May through September in Minnesota. 
those but that, those have to be hardy plants. <laughs> those that garden grow enough and freeze and or can to last the winter. The U of M is known for making several varieties of apples, including Honeycrisp. Oh, those are very good apples. Honeycrisp mm. apples. That is able to be stored in a chill room for most of the winter. What? They build a room around their trees that they grow? No, like the apples, once they're picked, can be oh. in a chilled room. Okay. That's actually, I mean, that's kind of how they store all apples, right? They, they have some kind of... Um, like chemical they <laughs> they put in a sealed chamber to have the apples last longer okay okay but if it's just a chilled room that's pretty impressive because apples can go mealy and terrible very fast yes. if not properly um, held we also have several varieties of grapes and wineries are very popular in the region mike i have a hard time believing that uh, unless you're, it's ice wine. I, I am very confused. It, it's as just to very how... labor intensive because you have to teach all the fruits and vegetables Muay Thai kickbox <laughs> so they can fight the frost <laughs> that lines up on them every morning when they wake up. Like, I'm, I'm literally thinking about the Cote Rhone where they were lighting fires in the you vineyards just burn everything down. to if i can't have my wine i will have nothing <laughs> no they were lighting fires to keep the vines warm I know. during the snowstorm yeah, yeah. and then it was a loss anyway yeah and then the government had to step in and bolster <laughs> the the vineyards. they lighted more fires yeah <laughs> they just lighted the people on fire no they just straight gave them stimulus money i mean i i don't know so the idea that Minnesota can grow grapes for wineries right now is crazy to me. I, it's a, I'm assuming very specific varietals. Ice wine. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> but I, mean, I, I think we're guessing that ice wine is like can live in a very cold climate. It might, but I don't know. The point is that the grapes have to freeze on the vine. And I think that it does that in Minnesota. <laughs> no, it's like. It's like ice vine or something. It's like a German word. It's not, we're calling ice it. Wine. it it's not, <laughs> now I have to look it up. We may not be able to grow th things all year long, but we have figured out ways to survive the long and cold winters, including sitting on frozen lakes to catch fish. Now that is something I want to try. I know I said I don't really like the cold, but I would love to go ice fishing. <laughs> In fact, I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't already go ice fishing when I was in Minnesota. Okay, so it is a German word, and it is ice wine. Ice vine. Uh-huh. Ice, E-I-S-W, which uh -huh. is a V sound. Is it grown? E-I-N. Is it left on the vine to pass the frost? Is a type of dessert wine yes. produced from grapes that have been frozen while yes. still on the vine. Yes. Ice wine. Dessert wine. Yeah, I it's just want to throw that wine. out there. It's still a wine. I just want to throw delicious. that out there. I've had it. It's fantastic. It's a good day drinker. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's like an aperitif. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, no real point to the email other than some interesting information that you asked about in an episode back in April. I'm still catching up. Well, thank you, Mike, for bringing back that April podcast and answering those questions. We're going to get a lot of German emails now. I just know it because you said it's an aperitif and it's like, no. Okay. Schnapps is a is an aperitif. Okay, I apologize in advance. Okay. <laughs> we don't need all the emails. <laughs> and that's Mike W X zero M I K. 
Thank, Thank you, you so much. The next email is titled One X Club Shirt T-Shirts. <laughs> what? One X Club Club Shirt T-Shirts? What? One X Club T-Shirts. One X Club. Okay. Dear Josh and Leia, has the idea of an HRCC One X Listener Club T-Shirt been mentioned yet? <laughs> I thought it might be fun to mention I work 10 hour shifts doing pretty repetitive work. Not only do I listen on one X at work, but sometimes I'll bank up the HRCC episodes for a couple of weeks and then have a six to eight hour HRCC marathon on our slower work days. Wow. That is just two episodes. Just <laughs> yeah, I was like, I just give you, you know, hey, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks again for the entertainment from a staunch member of the Anti Shore It Up League. I like that. The, the Anti Shore It Up League. League. That's actually pretty good. Yes. That, that's that's very good. Okay, so I do have to bring this up because this name reminded me. If you have Disney Plus and you are somebody that likes, and I feel like this resonates with the ham community because ham radio is it's got a lot figuring out a of puzzle. Stuff in, it's yeah, it's constantly being posed with a puzzle that requires you to tap on all of your areas of knowledge to make work. There is a kid's show. It's actually, it's a kid's show in the way Harry Potter is a kid's show, it, right? It's still in the, uh, still in the early, it, it's, it's very much the Chamber of Secrets level of Harry Potter. Sure. It's on the, it's more on the kid's okay. side. It's called the Mysterious Benedict Society. Yes. And it is on Disney Plus. Yes. And it is. It features Morse code prominently. Yes. There's a scene where there's four. It's kids. not correctly being used. Yeah, I, I think it's largely because they're cutting things out. There, there are some characters that they're doing correctly, but um, there, there's a scene where there's four kids and they're sitting in front of oscillators and they all have bugs, which is pretty cool. Yes. And they're all brand new bugs, and those ain't cheap. So I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. So, yeah. But also it's filled with brain teasers. Yeah, it's it's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very nerdy kind of fantastical. Yep. Uh, and the kids loved it. It was so, it was entertaining for me. I love that kind of show. Uh, but you sat and watched, which isn't always the case when yeah. the kids are watching. I watched, we... we pseudo binged watched it there it's one of those disney weekly release. disney plus weekly release type stuff i mean right? i really hate that they do that because yeah i mean but I, I every episode of the expanse i screamed into the void about how i hated yeah the one week re release stuff but disney plus that's their that's their whole jam exactly like all the they marvel did that with wandavision all the marvels yeah all of them all of the episodic ones yeah it's so frustrating that's like that's regressing and we're watching Loki right now, which is the same thing, the episodic releases. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's all, all of these um, episodes are actually to get you to the new class of Marvel. Literally. So Wanda is Wanda's just like her super achieving, leveled up. Yeah. yeah, she's leveled and up. And then it's Falcon as Captain America. Yes. That's how he gets there. That's his journey. Yep. And I think they're trying to get rid of tom hiddleston well, for a female technically loki. already died he technically already died right well now there's going to be a female loki and that doesn't make sense to me well then the next one's going to be thor oh right because they take valkyrie mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, that was a nerd. nerd hey, spoiler diagram. alert. Sorry about that. Uh, 73, as always, Preston KM3 DLY. Thank you, Preston. And sorry for derailing your email. The next email is titled a W7 DRC club field day report and shirt idea. And this is from Ryan. Good evening, Leah and Josh. I have enjoyed the podcast very much and look forward to listening to this week and in the future. I am just turning 15 on July 7th. We are. Oh, well, happy birthday, Ryan. Happy birthday, Ryan. I and I got my tech license in November and my general in May. Well done. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. I was the youngest member of my club to be licensed, but I learned at the first club meeting that a month before my general upgrade, there was an 11-year-old that got his tech and general in one sitting. I promise I was only bitter about it for one minute, and now we are good friends and I always look forward to talking to him. Oh, that's cool. Wow, your club is doing such great things. An 11-year-old. That's That 11-year-old is smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have liked learning from the more seasoned hams too. I would recommend anyone at any age to get their license. And if you're looking to upgrade to general or extra... Uh, do it because HF is awesome. I have it enjoyed is. making contests and making new friends along the way. This field day was my first and it was awesome. I am looking forward to next year as well as other contests along the way. You had asked for field day reports in a previous podcast. So here I go. The Dixie Amateur Radio Club W7DRC was set up in an EOC with two transmitters, making it a 2F. Next year, the goal is a minimum of 3F, but 4F is possible. Side note, I couldn't get two Fox Utah. You've got two Fox Utah out of my head for a week minimum. (laughs) (laughs) we had a 10 to 20 meter beam on a crank up tower we had two dipoles and a chameleon mcom 2 um, ef the main issue we had with antennas was interface between the digital and phone station interference oh was the interference between the digital and the phone station yeah We did have a minor issue with the logging software N3FJP just because our synchronization between multiple computers failed due to the Wi-Fi going down momentarily. Yeah. It was awesome to see so many new technicians and unlicensed people get into the radio vibe and just have the time of their life. That includes the field day report. Thank you. Another mention on the license class limited radio. I'm where you change your mind on your opinion on this as well. While I'm studying for my general, I remember reading the rule about emergencies. I believe it said that in an emergency, you should transmit on whatever frequency you are going to have the best chance of reaching someone on. This made me think if there is some extra rag chewing on their portion of the band, it would be beneficial to try and call them if necessary. If the radios were limited to where you could transmit there would need to be a way to go around the whole lock idea in an emergency they aren't going to have time to crack open the owner's manual to see why it won't let them transmit it i think down the line when it changes owners many times and they aren't aware of said features 
also also think down the line when it changes owners many times Mm -hmm. and they aren't aware of said features i think it's a great idea but could also cause an issue maybe instead have a pop-up menu as a warning that you're transmitting outside of the band plan that's a good idea that concludes this part of the email now for my shirt idea okay close your eyes may not work well for leia trying to read this Mm -hmm. you close your eyes right i did yes Imagine the screen of an ICOM 7300 with signals coming down the waterfall. Yes. Although hidden with many different signals along the scope are the words ham radio crash course, either written in Morse code or like the same blue with wavy letters. If I get motivated enough, I'll send a prototype later. I like this idea. Mm-hmm. We can look into this. Yeah, it's not yeah. bad. I like it. I have also enjoyed the drama around the peppermint patty debate. <laughs> <laughs> or a 705 because it's easier to draw. It's oh, smaller. yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I already have a 7300. Uh, oh, I created. see what you did. Yeah. Okay. In, uh, the, the debate makes him laugh every time, he says. Also, y'all need to figure out a way to get Skyline Chili on the website and distribute it from there. I have also enjoyed and, quite frankly, been a little concerned about the emails between Nathan and the other correspondents. <laughs> Is there correspondence collusion? Is that what you're worried about? No, how eerily. <laughs> Almost like they're watching us. Almost right like they're now. colluding. <laughs> and then watching us keep up the great work and for the record captain crunch and frosted flakes are above all be- oh besides life cereal what life cereal life cereal is that cereal that your mom tricks you to eat okay it's like kicks so that life cereal is the healthiest cereal that the kids will happily eat but i bought it so often they got burnt out on it so right. now i can't I'll probably bring it back next year. Yeah. <laughs> see see slide, how they like it. Slide yeah. it back into the rotation. 73 to you both. W7 RGS Ryan. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yes. Thank you very much. Oh, Ryan also sent a link because his their local newspaper came out and did an article about Field Ooh, Day. Ooh, cool. Nicely and done. there was a video about it. So I will uh, drop that in the show notes. Cool. Nicely done. All right. The next email is from Kyle titled License Specific Feature on HF Radios. (laughs) Okay. Leia and Josh, I've been collecting topics to discuss on the podcast for a while, but as a 1x speed listener. (laughs) I, I I like the trend. Yeah. I can't, I can't deny I like the trend here. I've tried listening to the podcast on a faster speed mm-hmm. and i i sound like a chipmunk yeah it's a really terrible <laughs> no yeah it's not a good not a good look it took me a while to catch up i wanted to make sure no one had already written you with the best idea on the license specific radio topic now i'm caught up and haven't heard it so i'm writing First, let me address a couple of other topics you and josh talked about fruit loops being a great cereal recently I like them too, but I must admit they lost a bit of their luster when I learned that all the colors of all the colors of Fruit Loops are the same flavor. Yeah, I don't care. The orange doesn't taste like orange. 
You just think could it you, does. Could you imagine a cereal company making like eight different color flavors and then mixing them all together? And then after they mix together for any amount of time, they're like, well, no, they all taste the same. The red one doesn't taste like cherry. You just think it, it doesn't does. taste like red at all. Bummer. It, that it's is a whatever. bummer. I would like, I would do lifesavers taste different? Yes. But lifesavers are literal candy. <laughs> would you like to try lifesavers in milk and see how it goes? No. Make a TikTok out of it? Ew. <laughs> Double you. Although the buttercream ones are all buttercream throughout the whole thing. Or butter rum. That's because it's a roll of butter rum. Yeah. They all taste the same. Okay. Did you ever get that? Like that disappointing moment where you got a present and you open it up and it was the book. It was a paper book of Lifesavers and you opened it and it was all the Lifesavers flavors the rolls of lifesavers in like a folding open book and one of them was the butter rum and you're like what am i supposed to do with this doesn't butter rum taste like a werther's it's worse than that it's way worse than that you asked about first field day experiences and i wanted to share one of those too my nine-year-old son parker recently got his technician license by testing with the local laurel vec group run by my friend thomas kf4iol everyone there was so thrilled that a young ham was joining the hobby he is now k04rij is that right okay Oh, K-O-4-R-I-J. So a couple of weeks ago, I carried him to the Birmingham Amateur Radio Club, W4CUE Field Day, which was set up right near our hometown. He was assisted by my friend Daryl, WD4IGK, and he was able to make his first HF contact on 40 meters. They even had pre-printed certificates ready to give anyone who wanted to try a Goda contact. Oh, that's cool. It was very that's, fun that's to very watch him get to do. so Nicely excited. Done. Yeah. This is exactly how we could normalize ham radio by taking a kid and immediately opening up a whole new world for him by showing him how HF works. Indeed. Well done. Yeah, nicely done. But it gets better. Another club member, Ron, WX4RON, asked us to come visit his station before we left. Ron is the Aries coordinator for Jefferson County, and he asked Parker if he had his own radio. Parker told him that I own several HTs he could use, but he didn't own one yet, but he might get one in Huntsville soon. So Ron pulled out a Baofeng UV9R Plus and gave it to him. (laughs) Nice. We were both speechless. Now... You and I know that Baofengs aren't the fanciest or most expensive radios in the world, but we also know that they work just fine. Yep. But to a nine-year-old, you could not do anything more exciting than that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So now Parker got to experience the HF side of the hobby and the local side of the hobby. But... It gets even better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I let Parker get on the local Aries net the day after field day, and I explained to him what the net is for and how it works. I told him what to say, and then he listened to everyone give their names and call signs in order. Some folks would say, no traffic after their name and location. I told Parker that meant they didn't have any ARRL traffic to share and that no one ever does. He asked why everyone did it. 
I said, it's not necessary, but it's not wrong. It's okay to do, but since I've never heard anyone actually sharing traffic on a regular weekly net, it's really a moot point and therefore I refuse to say it. That's just me. After everyone checked in, they asked for announcements. Daryl WD4IGK said he had one. He said he had some a double RL traffic to announce. Parker said to me, I thought you said no one did that. I told him it was the first for me in all my years doing this. And the traffic turned out to be from a local ham that I had never met that was welcoming Parker to the hobby. He congratulated him on his license and wished him a happy birthday for next month. That is the exact right way all this should go. Like that is like a like a. If you were to make a commercial that would run it like the Super Bowl, yes, you would you would make it about this story like right there. That is that is so cool. That's so cool. I was floored. Parker was excited, of course, but I was even more so. A couple of days later, we got the official ARRL traffic note in the mail, handwritten by Daryl. Wow. That is how we get kids excited about radio. That is awesome. That could not have been done better. That's it's it's like uh, the writing the letter to Santa almost, mm-hmm. but it's like it's like real, um, and it it went out and went through the whole process of coming mm-hmm. back and getting delivered. Oh, it's just fantastic. That that's that's awesome. And speaking of radios, let me leave you with this nugget. For the past few weeks, we've been discussing whether or not the license-specific ban restrictions would be a good idea. There are good points on both sides, and I do think we can come to a compromise and find a way to do a software upgrade. Uh, upgrade. 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 It's upgrade. <laughs> upgrade, like Josh suggested. In fact, he said he knew someone at one or more of the vendors to whom he could email and suggest this as a future addition. That is the key. Send this idea to every vendor that makes radios. Then make sure that they treat you the way that you have treated everyone here with merch suggestions. They need to say, read this in your best Leia impersonation, if we used your idea on a radio, you're getting one. <laughs> Thank you both for all you do for the hobby. It is both informative and entertaining. 73, Kyle, KW4AU. Well, thank you, Kyle, and congratulations to Parker. That's fantastic. Yeah, well done, Parker. Yeah. That, it, well, how well done, everyone. Well yeah. done, everyone involved. Well done, the club. Well, well done, done the everyone. Net. Yeah. Well done, well done, ham fam. That was really. perfect. Yeah. Thank you. This email is titled, Not the Last, Not the First. And okay. this is from Greg. Leia, sorry I've missed replying to a couple of podcasts, but you're dead on. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the percentage is everything. (laughs) The Reese's Big Cup is horrible because there's far more peanut butter than needed for the amount of chocolate. Just like the Peanut Lover's Cup, it all comes down to the ratio. Why try to improve on perfection? Yes. The regular Reese's Peanut Butter Cup is the perfect ratio. (laughs) But again, it must be very fresh so that the peanut butter isn't like hasn't gotten chalky yet. Oh my goodness. And the and the chocolate hasn't doesn't have any bloom because you know as it gets like right, older. Right. It's yeah. You want it so that when the chocolate where you touch it, after like a little bit, it melts from the warmth of your finger. That is like super fresh Hershey's chocolate. You got some childhood memories built up around <laughs> this. 
This is deeply seated in your psyche. Greg continues, funny that the term lot lizard came up in the show last week. We just returned from a camping trip and on one of our stops on the way back, there was a very obvious lot lizard finishing up a call. Oh, no. She was dressed exactly as I would expect a lizard to be dressed. Spandex as Leia, far as I the feel eye at some point see. you don't have to uh, <laughs> you don't have to go all the way if you know if you read the whole thing. We get it. We get it. <laughs> when he said expect a lizard to be dressed, I was like, like a spandex scaly suit? <laughs> like, like gecko from <laughs> pajama mask? <laughs> pajama mask. PJ mask. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. A couple of weeks ago, I thought that Josh had finally killed Leia. At about 1.15, Josh had Leia laughing so hard that I thought I heard her stop breathing. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful, Josh. Don't want a thousand witnesses to you killing off Leia. (laughs) I, I killed her with laughter. I don't believe you. Well, you a member of the One X Club? <laughs> Question for Josh. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to pick up an FTM 400 for the car. Okay. I'll likely use a lip mount, but any recommendation on the actual antenna? I think your video about setting up the leaf had info on what you used, but I can't seem to locate the details. Yeah, so you want a PL259 Comet or Diamond Quarter Wave dual band antenna. That's what I recommend. So it's nothing fancy. It's going to have a little coil of wire somewhere in the middle. Not not totally in the middle, but towards the middle. That's it. It, it it's really does not have to be a fancy antenna at all for VHF, UHF. And it works fantastic. With the lip mount, you're going to be absolutely fine. So I'd, I'd, I'd go with that. And, and they're relatively inexpensive and high quality. I've had like the same antenna for uh, over 10 years and no problem. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what are you laughing about? I'm still laughing about pajama mask. You're still laughing about PJ Mass? That's a long burn. <laughs> so the whole time the kids have been watching. He's a lot lizard the whole time. The whole time. The kids even have hoodies. <laughs> they did. It's true. This is horrible. Move on. While I've already passed the extra, I'll be watching the technician videos to see what I can pick up. I went into the technician in general with the view that the test is just to make sure you did your homework, that you would learn what you need once you got on the air. I took the extra because I occasionally found someone just outside of the general space when I was doing POTA. I didn't like that I couldn't reach them. Mm Mm-hmm. Congrats on passing the four-hour mark a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I'm, yep. I'm one of the 1.5x listeners. I started listening to the podcast Shun. at more than 1x a couple of years ago. Now that I'm there, I can't go back. Everyone sounds like they're on Valium when listening at 1x. That we're all on Valium or you're on Valium? <laughs> 73 and 88 greg and three thank you greg (laughs) keep up the outstanding podcasts me 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 thank you for the 1.5x 
I'm going to start talking super fast right now. <laughs> really make it. <laughs> really make them work for it. Yes. Podcast email a lifetime of radio from Brad. <laughs> oh, really? What does Brad have to say this week? So excited to hear what he has to say in this email. <laughs> Greetings from Kansas City, home of the best barbecue in the world. Kansas now, City has some. Well, they, now they there's going to be fights. Well, now, I mean, they, have, they they do have their own claim to fame. What is what is signature about Kansas City barbecue? Ribs. Right, but what is the seasoning? Like you know how some are like more vinegary, some are more dry rub. What is? I don't know. I don't know if I should even say anything because I'll probably piss somebody off. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I think it's the mustard glaze. Okay. It's more of a mustard sauce. Well, I bet Brad will tell us if you got that wrong. (laughs) I'm sure someone will. And I think it's usually St. Louis style or or the the cut. Mm, But I I actually, I don't think they care. It's just a rib. We still have some ribs in the fridge. We do. Now I'm going to have to eat them tomorrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been enjoying your podcast for a while now. They are great to listen to as I drive around for work. I have a few topics to go over, and instead of spreading them over several emails, I thought I would do my part as <laughs> in the anti-shoring it up movement. <laughs> as I learn more about ham radio, I realized I've been around radio most of my life and never gave it a second thought. Growing up, my grandparents ran a farm where they used CB mobiles and a base station to keep track of everyone and then moved on to work as over-the-road truckers where CB was the most interesting thing to do while I took rides with them across the country. Paper maps, no cell phones, and Cobra CB. Lots of fun. CB can still be great when on the highway, getting a heads up about traffic jams and car wrecks. What a fun time as a kid to be in a cross-country truck with your grandparents. Yeah, that's probably fun. The first topic of discussion is about drawing in younger hams. When I was younger, I participated in the Civil Air Patrol Cadet Program. Oh, cool. Where ham radio, HF, mm-hmm. and VHF, UHF were used all the time. Yep. But were not taught beyond simple operation. They used them in conjunction with the Red Cross and other disaster relief organizations. Yagi antennas are used for direction finding down to aircraft beacons, but we didn't know what we were doing other than following the beeping sound. They also use a repeater function with their aircraft to ground units to assist with ground search and rescue teams. All that said, this could be small but direct approach in reaching young people who already have practical application and skill set for ham radio and might just need a guest speaker from a ham club at their local civil air patrol meeting to increase the number of youth in the ham community. Same could be applied to scouts, JROTC, etc. That's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. My time in the Marine Corps infantry showed me the life and death importance of comms, relay stations, how topography can block RF, and how to use a radio effectively. But once again, it was just appliance operation, not understanding. I knew the timing and frequency needed to be right and to avoid burns. Don't touch the antenna of the big radios while you key up. <laughs> yes. Everything else was chalked up to the magic gnomes that lived 
in all radios. Interesting. Okay. Side note, I do miss living in San Clemente. My wife and I had a great time living out there in your neck of the woods. Yes. San Clemente is fantastic. It is. It is nice. Yeah. That's, it's still a very nice beach town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Currently, I work as a patrol officer in law enforcement and talk more on the radio than face-to-face someday. I wonder if he was a Marine then. I wonder if that's why he was saying Yeah, he said uh, Marine Corps. Oh, he did. Okay, I missed that. But Mm -hmm. I heard the radio operator. Recently, I was surprised to find out our dispatch center has a very nice dual-band setup as a backup radio system to communicate with disaster release efforts in case of, in our case, a very destructive tornado. Even more surprising is that we have no licensed ham radio operators in our dispatch, so there are five or six of us on a list to come in and assist with the radio if ever needed. Huh, okay. Ham radio proves itself vital in disaster relief across the country time and time again. Your last podcast, there was an email mentioning a last call for a silent key ham. Yes, that was Nathan who sent that in. And he ended up linking to the story um, on the Facebook group. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was like a, a video. Oh, wow. Okay. In law enforcement, fire departments, and similar first responders, a last call is a tradition for our deceased fellow responders. Their duty and still carry on their work. Oh, I'm sorry. Their last call is broadcasted over the air, so not only the funeral attendees can hear, but all those who are on duty and still carry on their work can hear as well. It's absolutely heartbreaking to hear their name broadcasted for the first time, but it is a very fitting addition to the ceremony. Yeah. Okay, now on to something fun. A shirt idea. It seems difficult to be completely original with the multitude of ideas out in the world, so I hope I'm not repeating what has already been suggested. The shirt says, freak, freak, like frequency, mm-hmm. show. Freak show. But freak like spelled show. like frequency. F-R-E-Q. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Across the top and has a variety of radio uses illustrated. A silhouette of a 4 by 4 off-roading, a mountain in the background, a tower on the mountaintop, a hiker with an HT, a house at the base of the mountain with an antenna, and a, sl- a satellite overhead, the whole picture, some signal lighting bolts and some small signal lightning bolt symbols coming from each illustration to show they're all connected. Okay. Okay. You got it? Yeah, I'm getting it. Okay. Okay. Well, Josh's wheels are turning. And as with all the shirt suggestions. But then there's going to be like a carnival tent like mixed in with an antenna. Sure. Sure. It's a freak show. Right. Right. Gotta have some reference to. Okay. If, uh, (laughs) if we make it, you're getting all right, one. All right. A question about APRS and crossband repeat. It is po- is it possible to use HT like the FT3DR or AT878UV2 Plus to broadcast and receive APRS data over a mobile crossband repeat transi- transceiver in order to boost the watts from 5 to 50? Somebody asked me this, and I think the short answer is is yes. So you would transmit your APRS packets on the UHF frequency of your crossband repeater, and that would then get 
flipped over to the VHF APRS frequency on the 50-watt mobile? I think the shorter an- answer is yes. With yes, that said, but <laughs> with that said, your your um th- the front part of your APRS messages might get snipped, so that you, there's a bit of a buffer that you would need to. So when you're doing crossband repeat, like if you're talking on your HD into your mobile, you generally key up for like a second and then you start talking, right? So that everything gets opened up and then it's all transmitting together and then you start talking. It feels like you need something like that with APRS. Like you would need some kind of delayed transmit on whatever transmitter was that you were spending or sending the APRS out of. That's probably something you could do on the HT, but you'd have to look into that. It would depend on the HT. To finish up, I'll say the HRCC YouTube has reinforced my interest in ham radio, and I look forward to getting my general and exploring HF, especially soda and poda. I have a TYT 9800 as a base station and a few UV5Rs laying around. I've also built a tape measure Yagi, and my next goal is to, at least here, if not get contacts off the ISS repeater. Cool. Keep up the great work and 73, Brad K zero BRD. Brad, thank you for the kind words. I always love hearing that. So thank you so much for for sending that in, and I, I hope that helped answer your question. Yeah, he's attached two photos that I will. Uh, one is a mock up of his freak show idea. Oh, okay. And I'll put that. Well, I'll send that over to you so you can take a look, and maybe you have some. Maybe there's a clown on it. Well, then I can't look at it. Then I can't look at it. He's also shared a picture (laughs) of a Yagi, uh, which I really like. Hey, look, it's a Yagi. Because one of the things I want to do. Yeah, a tape measure Yagi. I want to build a tape measure Yagi, but also paint it. Oh, but also paint it. Yes. Okay. Because your Yagi looks like a kid's toy. PVC and tape measure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's totally fine. It is totally fine. Mm -hmm. It does the job. The next email is titled, Thank You for the Inspiration. Thank you. And this is from Mark. For 50 years since I curled up with an early 60s ARRL handbook as a child, I have thought about getting licensed, but had done nothing about it. Mm. Then I found the HRCC podcast. On your advice, I studied at hamstudy.org. What a fabulous resource. Yep. Contacted a local club and took the tests. Then I bought a Baofeng and a Signal Stuff antenna, and I'm thinking about QRP HF. Cool. Now to unlearn the graphical Morse code from Boy Scouts mm-hmm. and head towards QRQ. What's QRQ? Don't know. <laughs> okay. I am never. I'll, I'll look up QRQ. But um, yeah, we we generally don't train people with the visual cue of Morse code. That picture of the branching it's right. like a tree. We don't yeah. want that. Don't want that. You don't want to. Why do Boy Scouts it. teach that then? Because they're not looking for, to teach people how to be proficient CW operators. Mm. They're teaching people a competency. Just the bare minimum for the mysterious Benedict Society. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for getting me moving forward after a half century of inertia. With thanks in 73, Mark AC9 YW. Yankee whiskey. How cool is that? I like it. Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, Appreciate the email and congratulations on finally getting licensed. Very good. And congrats. The next email. Oh, high speed code. 
I see. QRQ. I see. It, it's a Q code. I don't remember all the Q codes. Like I'm definitely not going to remember QRQ because I have, I have no desire to ask somebody to send code faster to me. I can barely <laughs> copy as it is. I want it as fast as you can ditch and da. More. <laughs> faster. The perfect solution for those who think your podcast is not long enough from Ryan. Okay. Leia, for those who think your podcast is not long enough, tell them to listen at half speed. I was going to say, the point, <laughs> team, team 50%. Two and a half hours or less is perfect and gives you poor souls some more rest and relaxation time, which I think you desperately need given all that you're doing in your lives and raising your kiddos. <laughs> Keep up the great work, love the podcast, and also enjoy all the great extras that Josh does on the side with the other podcasts and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, the, the whatnot. <laughs> That's right. Ryan K0CTR. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much, Ryan. The next email is titled, After All, It's a Small World. And this is from Steve. Hi, Leia and Josh. I have thoroughly enjoyed discovering and catching up on the entire catalog of podcasts at 1X. Wow. <laughs> Achievement. Each of your segments is interesting, and I love how personable your conversations are. Well, thank, thank you. you. That's, we, we try. We, we think of this as us just hanging out, talking to each other, but really. It's true. And reading people's emails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but try it. Try it with your significant other. Sit down. Ask people to randomly email you. <laughs> it's just spam. Sephora's having a sale. <laughs> <laughs> These pills. <laughs> they tell me something. <laughs> Do you get a lot of those? Uh, Google catches them all and puts them in the spam folder, but sure, yeah. Sometimes Google doesn't catch them before I get a notification on my phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm just like, what? Why? Why do you think I need a larger something? <laughs> I don't have one of those. <laughs> okay. Steve says, what a surprise it was to learn that Josh is from my hometown of Whittier oh. and even an alumni from the same high school. Wow. Cal high. high. Yeah. I have to tell you, I run into people from Whittier. Whittier's a weird all town. All the time. It's like Whittier is pumping people out. We don't know. And then know. they all go different places. They, they're all like, we got, here's the plan. Get out of Whittier. <laughs> but people are reproducing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to somebody on a helpline. I think they were out of Austin. They were like, oh, how's it, how's it going in Southern California? And I'm like, great. You know, and they were like, oh, yeah, I'm originally from Southern California. Mm -hmm. uh, fantastic. Where from? Whittier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Yep, that's it. <laughs> from your podcast, I also learned that Leia lived in the town where I was born, La Mirada. Mm. Yes, I lived in La Mirada for one year. There you go. That's and my aunt actually she lived in the same neighborhood, and so my cousins grew up in La Mirada for the first five years of their lives or something. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. I didn't realize you were in La Mirada for such a short amount of time. I thought you were there longer. It was one year, and the things that I remember about it were massive front lawns mm -hmm. that were filled with ladybugs, which is for a little girl fantastic. <laughs> it's a dreamland. And that was probably the last time I was allowed to freely roam because then we moved to Cerritos and there was not a whole lot of free roaming. Right. But I would be able to leave the house and just go to neighbor kids' houses. Mm -hmm. And our kids right now don't even do that. No. 
But we would, I, my, I would go to my cousin's house, which is nearby, and then we would ride our bikes to Rite Aid. Or at that oh time, it goodness. was thrifty. How old were you? Oh, eight. Whoa, that is young. That's that Ben's about to be eight. There's no way I let him ride no. to a going to Paris baguette. Yeah, <laughs> I'm get some pastries. Be right back. Uh, Steve says, following him in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Here, let me give you some freedom. I think I asked Ben if he wanted to go to the market for me, and he goes, "No, <laughs> I could." I could get kidnapped. I could get hit by a car. I could... <laughs> he would be petrified. Yes. Oh, it's not it good. is a different world. It is. Yeah. It's not good. I don't know that that's good. I worry about that. Yeah. That kids are just infantilized too long. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think you're probably right. But you can't do it because people will call CPS on you. <laughs> so we'd be like, where is your mother? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neglectful. <laughs> We worry about infanticizing our child, children, but we also worry about... Infantilizing. Infantilizing, but we also worry about homiciding the children by other people. So, yes. You know, that's yeah, a thing. Exactly. Intentionally or not. <laughs> Steve continues, it's a small world after all. Okay. My interest in radio began in a journalism class my freshman year of high school. Cool. Man, your high school had a lot of class offerings. We my- had we had a, a like... Oh, what's the term they used? There was like professions. Um, ROP was what it was called. That's why people in Whittier are out there and you're talking to them all the time because they went out and got jobs. Yeah, they like <laughs> literally come out working. Yeah. Uh, when my dad was in uh, high school, they had a fully functioning metal shop, not just a wood shop. Like most oh, high right, schools Oh, because your dad graduated Cal High too. Yeah, so did my mom. Uh, I think my aunts and uncles all went to Cal High. It's a real legacy yeah. you have there. <laughs> and so the um, the shops that they had, they had a, a full wood shop, of course. That's not surprising for, for children of that age. But a full metal shop was also like, that was pretty, not everybody had a full metal shop. Well, you even had a, a culinary we institute. We had a quote-unquote culinary thing. institute. Yeah, yeah, it used to be home ec, and then it got completely revamped when I was a freshman, and it was actually like a culinary class. A high school teaching functional skills. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah, it, it was It was actually really cool. I mean, they had like home ec type classes, but mm-hmm. the culinary was actually its own thing. Like to go out of high school and immediately start working in a restaurant was kind of the point of it. And a lot of them did. Right. My My friend went to johnson and wales directly out of high school with his uh right yeah credentials and now he's a big wine broker yeah yeah mm-hmm. um my high school had only honors and ap classes great <laughs> and the uh the bragging rights was that it was a hundred percent college right uh, everybody went to college they aim to rob you of the first two years of your college experience yeah <laughs> Because you get to walk into college with two years already done. Yeah. Well, I walked in with one year done. I think that's uh, that's actually probably the max at that time um, you could get. But we didn't even have a football team. No, you didn't. Because not. football is an expensive program to run. Right. And nor would any of the parents want their kids involved in a full contact. Yeah, I, I don't know that a lot of... I saw your alumni picture. I'm like, I don't know if any of these people are the actual <laughs> players on a football field. <laughs> and, and by but that, I mean, they dec- weren't built for it. They didn't look like yeah. football players. You know what I mean? But our academic decathlon team was stellar. Mm-hmm. And so was our model UN. <laughs> 
super competitive. <laughs> CIF varsity champions in the academic decathlon. Uh, Steve continues, our teacher challenged us one day to listen to our AM radios at night and see what radio stations we could hear from a distance. Cool. From SoCal, I could hear San Francisco, Denver, and Albuquerque. Oh. I got hooked on mystery theater broadcast from AM 740 out of San Francisco. Eventually, this got me interested in SWL. I then took that interest with me into the Air Force overseas and at home and had a fun gathering shortwave, uh, had fun gathering shortwave QSL cards from all over the world. That's cool. And even from AM broadcast stations when stateside. Eventually, I bought a Kenwood R2000 SW receiver to take things to the next level. Mm -hmm. I wonder, depending on how old Steve is, I mean, it could range from he could have gone to school when you were in school or any one of your relatives, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dating all the way back. Sure. That's I mean, I don't remember there being a journalism class. He could be younger. Oh. Yeah. That's true. Well, Steve, you're going to have to get back to us and tell us what year you graduated. Yeah. I was first licensed in the late 80s. Hey, I think this is okay, context. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the investigative skills are kicking in. <laughs> My evidence senses are tingling. This might mean <laughs> that he went to school during your parents' time. Yeah, to or, your or, aunts and uncles' time. Yeah, or somewhere, somewhere in between. between there. When I was first licensed in the late 80s, traded in my Kenwood for an HF transceiver and was active mostly on HF. Kids came along and my radio activity went on a long hiatus. The kids are all grown now, so I'm once again active on the bands. Cool. Very hey, good. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, you deserve it. I wanted to relay to you all a story that relates to personal safety preparedness and then some merch ideas. Okay. I have been a runner for several years and always take my phone along on my runs. Five plus years ago, I was running and didn't feel quite right. I saw my doctor to get checked out, but within two weeks, I had a serious heart attack. I was just 52. Oh my goodness. Wow. The day of my heart attack, my phone was my literal lifeline. I called my wife, who was in another room, to tell her to take me to the hospital. I have long since recovered, and I'm back to running, but never without my phone. Mm. My favorite place to run is in the woods, along twisty, rocky, and sometimes muddy trails, usually by myself. Along with my phone, I now carry my HT, a Baofeng, to add a second layer of communication to let friends on the local repeater know I am out there. Sometimes I call out on one... 46.52 simplex mm -hmm. using the wilderness protocol. Oh, good. You can never have too many lifelines. I agree. Good. Well done. Yeah. Staying fit, taking ham radio. These are all goals right here. Yeah. That's how you can get, get uh, keep your fitness up so you can go do the sodas, right? Right. Some merch ideas. I'm not sure I am... I am sure I'm not the only runner who takes a radio along for the ride, but this made me think of a variation on one of your Fang t-shirts. Grab Fang, go on a run in a woods. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Another merch idea shows two hams talking together, one holding a UV5R, and says, I got one of them new fangled radios. Get it? Fangled? Oh, fa it's spelled fangled. Yes. I like yeah. it. <laughs> 
and another have one or two crash course dummies in front of the HRCC logo with the words, not just not just another one of your ham radio crash course dummies. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Well, well, we will. Yeah. Wearing at Huntsville. We will. (laughs) We will think on it. If we make one of them, you'll get one. Uh, That's pretty good. All the best and keep up the great content. 73 Steve KB9CNN. Thank you. CNN. Yeah. <laughs> journalism. Went to journal. Yes. Yeah, some journalism yeah. classes. That's a suffix of CNN. Huh. Huh. That's really newsworthy. Yes. I wonder. <laughs> Wonder if he might work for a company never, with similar characters. You never laugh as hard as you should at my puns, quite honestly, and it's disappointing. <laughs> I don't. You know me pretty well. I don't laugh at puns generally. It's got to be a it's pretty bad. outrageous pun for me to laugh at it. I do love puns. <laughs> you do like puns. You're not even thinking of a particular pun. You just thought of puns and you, la- and you made yourself laugh. <laughs> You puns is a concept. Gave myself a chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) A little guffaw over a thought. (laughs) The next email is titled X-Ray Machine. And this is from Matt. Oh, yes, yes. Hi, Leia and Josh. I am a future ham working on studying with no scheduled test, but I have been listening to the podcast for a bit now and watching the YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm glad Edison is doing better. Yeah, us too. Yeah. Uh, there has been an explosion of cases of kids with severe colds and viruses, RSV, etc., mm-hmm. as more people come back into contact with each other. Retracting while breathing is not something to play around with, so I am glad you were able to get him help. Yes. Yeah. We, we are generally not people who jump immediately to taking kids to... Not at all. Yeah. But <laughs> that was one of the things we were... Mm-hmm concerned about those x-ray machines are cool our twins were born 16 weeks premature Mm. oh my goodness and have had hundreds of images taken with x-ray machines like that you know it is a lot in a row when they talk about them needing an x-ray holiday as long as there isn't anything emergent to watch out for yeah oh man matt I'm, i'm sorry that your family went through that uh, it is especially nice in the NICU, PICU, and other uh, in-hospital settings where they can slip the imaging plate under the patient while yeah. still laying in the bed. It's pretty cool. Usually, they only have to wear lead protection vests, and they're going to be if they're going to be within six feet or so of the machine or the patient. Whatever wireless connection that is sending the image from the plate back to the X-ray machine is pretty awesome, where it can get an image back in seconds. Yeah, it's pretty smart. The whole thing's yeah. pretty cool. Our girls are healthy three-and-a-half-year-olds now. Oh, that's fantastic. Very good. I'm happy to hear that. Congratulations. And have had their fair share of those x-rays. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like if they had to move each time they needed an image taken. No, that would be... Yeah. (laughs) That'd be a lot of upset babies. Thank you for the entertainment and information on the podcast and videos, Matt. All right, Matt. Thank Thank you, Matt. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. It's really heartbreaking. Um there's always like a lot of complications with twins it seems like Mm -hmm. and it's heartbreaking to see kids in the NICU oh yeah so very sad I'm really glad that they're they're growing and healthy and thank you for your email and schedule your test 
Yeah. <laughs> it's time. Take this as the nudge. <laughs> there it is. You were waiting for a sign. <laughs> the next email is titled Grape Nut Spit Take. Okay. <laughs> I tried them and I spit them out. <laughs> and this is from Eric. Hi, Josh and Leia. I simply can't keep up with the amount of laughs you two weave into every episode. <laughs> I started listening last winter, and your shows have helped my snow removal work fly by. Man, I I was really excited to shovel snow the first time we went up the to first Big Bear. Time. And I was like, what can I shovel? <laughs> I really want to shovel it. This sounds like a great full body workout in the winter. Yeah. I got through the deck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you guys do this every day? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's actually um, there's there's some kind of statistic, and I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head, but there's actually a concern as people get older and they continue to shovel that they have heart attacks like while they're doing it. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's a thing because you go from not having to do it for like two seasons and then you're back to shoveling. Oh yeah. So if you so in the meantime you should shovel dirt. Yeah, just go outside. Just have a a shovel pit. Yeah. (laughs) You move the dirt out. And then you move it back in. Back in. Yeah. 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 Well tilled soil. Mm -hmm. You know, in time in time for the summer, and then you plant potatoes. Hey Bob, what happened? You said you were digging a pool. Oh, I filled it. No, you dig potato. You dig a a ditch. You then plant potatoes. You shovel all the dirt back in, mm-hmm. and then at the end of summer, you have to dig up the potatoes. There you go. See, yeah. it's a whole process. It's yeah, it's a whole thing. Keep it going. But I think again, that's the that's a growing cycle, right? So you have periods of non-fitness. You got to keep it some level of fitness. Yeah, I mean, you got to have a monster truck tire and a sledgehammer and just beat on it. Right, right. Just have... That's what they do in <laughs> the military where you can't go out of the base. Oh, really? You can't run. You can't do anything. So, you, so you're supposed you, to beat on a tire? Yeah, you just beat the crap out of a tire with a sledge. Wow. Yeah, that's a That sounds like a method. fun workout. Uh, again, for the first time, <laughs> I'm assuming it's it's kind of fun. That's a little bit how I feel about the trampoline that I bought for fitness. Yeah, it was a, it was a hot week of jumping in the house and boy, howdy. How the about kids now? still like it, though. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric says, like a recent email correspondent, I, too, run into the struggle of listening while busy and forgetting my email idea by the time I stop for a break. It's the middle of summer now, and I have to say thanks for all the workday since you've helped me fill with the learning laughs and surprise topic tangents to keep my brain engaged. Great. From topics a few weeks ago, or maybe months ago, (laughs) here in northern Indiana, just shy of the Michigan border, I've never before heard of the Michigan sauce you talked about in the show's heyday of chili recipe discussions. Hearing you describe it, it is clearly the almost chili derivative of SNL's almost pizza commercial. And uh, Eric's provided a link. I'll drop it in the show notes. Michigan's chili is not a thing. I don't know. Oh, weird. Is he talking about? Is he? Is that a? Is that a sideways jab at Skyline? No, I think we were talking about a a, a sauce that is like a chi- kind of like 
sky. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, this was during the the, the peak skyline yes. discussion. People <laughs> were calling in with their colloquial versions yes. of chili. Yes. Yeah. I don't remember that specific Michigan sauce, but uh, yes, I, I, I do recall there being a sauce. I'm assuming you could put it on a Juicy Lucy and it would be fine. <laughs> That's a Minnesota reference. I, I understand. but Minnesota. I'm assuming that everything out in that area has Saint a Paul version I believe. of Juicy Lucy. It's literally just cheese inside a burger. It was invented in St. Paul. I know, but how would that not be something that catches on like wildfire is my point. So here's, here's, a, here's a fun tangent. Um, Minnesota and St. Paul, those are some cities that hold a grudge. Hmm? Right? The Minneapolis? Minneapolis and, and uh, St. Paul. Aren't they the Twin Cities? Yeah, but I mean, like, did you ever think at one time they were like, maybe we all just become one thing? And <laughs> no. They are very never. close together. It's it's across a river. And very, and that metropolis area is then met with no metropolises. Oh, yeah. It, it's literally a hub where both yeah. cities it's exist. Like, and this is just, where Target headquarters is, and this is everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the friends of ours that are in Minnesota, like, they're in... They're in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and they have like thoughts, serious opinions about. Oh, Saint I didn't Paul. know that. Yeah, like not not too bad, but it was very reminiscent of like Springfield versus Shelbyville from The Simpsons. Oh, where everything's like just like just like Springfield, but kind of off a little bit. Sure, sure. It it, it, it was very interesting when I was there. I was like, wow, okay. There's there's definitely a his, There's like a beef. Okay. <laughs> that I don't know about the history beef, but I just have Okay, Minnesota and <laughs> get at us. What, yeah. what went down What's here? The beef? Why are you guys so Speaking close? Speaking of beef, yet- some of the best beef jerky I ever had was in St. Paul. You remember that little shop we went no. into? No. Yes, it was very good beef jerky. I believe you. I just don't remember it. It was fresh made mm-hmm. and it, it was packed in like butcher paper. Whoa. You don't remember this? It no. was like one of our last stops before we went home. Yeah, I don't know. It was fantastic. That was that whole weekend was like a buzz for like just a blur, a oh. buzz and a blur. So much drinking on your part. But I was like, we we didn't sleep very well because we were in the the airport for so long. Oh, that's right. That was our thirty six day, uh, thirty six thirty six hour travel experience. Oh, so bad it to so get bad. from. Like, LAX to Minnesota. We got stranded in Denver for over how many? Twelve over twelve hours, easy. But yes. that was that was the overnight portion. Yeah, we got on the plane and deplaned three times. Yes, they had to go back to the terminal. Three Did you times. know that a a plane cannot be on a tarmac for more than three hours? They yeah, have the, to the take you back to the gate. Passenger bill of rights kicks in, and they have to turn the plane around. Yes. Even if you are almost done de-icing the plane. We were in line about to, to take be off. de-iced. No, we were we were almost done de-icing. And they were like three I was three literally hours. looking at my watch like I'm like, oh, this is we're cutting it too close. And sure enough, they were they like stopped on sorry, the on the wing and gotta they were go like, back. Gotta go back. And, like, and then we had to queue up again. I think that was the last one before they called it and the flight crew had to go to sleep. Because he hit the flight crew top out, which is like eight hours yeah, or something. Just, it was crazy. Uh, crazy day. Why Denver? Like you don't know you have snow? They had one <laughs> de-icer for the entire it Denver It was airport. like a surprise snowstorm. In October. But I feel like Denver, 
you got to do better. Did you know there are conspiracy theories of about course, the Denver everybody airport? Everybody knows about the conspiracy theories oh, of the Denver airport. Yeah. Really? With the murals? Yeah. No, about... And the, the nightmare that they have as a statue? No. The... Th- the conspiracy the, theory there's a luggage system that is like one of the largest in the world and it's never been used and so they believe that the construction where that luggage system is is yes. some uh illuminati headquarters o- o- illuminati or other things sure, sure. they yeah, any, as, as, yes, as, they're, any. <laughs> as they're often referred to i ended up somehow on conspiracy kind of theory TikTok. tiktok yeah no i'm very familiar <laughs> There's a horse, um, and it's most notably called a nightmare. Okay. Uh, it's a horse statue. Okay. And like you could normally have just like a cool horse statue, and that'd be like, hey, that's a cool horse statue because it's pretty big. This one, the body is black. It has literal light up flaming red eyes, a fiery mane, and fiery tail, and that is the statue. Oh. And the murals, which have been taken down, oh. uh, depicted all kinds of crazy stuff. Like what? Uh, there was a there was a guy that looked like he was almost out of World War II with a stormtrooper outfit and had like a big machete knife and like a gun. Why like would AK-47. they take down such avant-garde street it art? It was wild. It was wild. I, I took pictures of it before it was gone because I was in and out of Denver all the time. It was pretty <sighs> wild. That airport in general is wild. It's like a mall. It's like a multi-story mall. Right. And that's what you told me. And then when we finally got off the plane, because it was a layover. Yeah. Right. Everything was shut down. Everything. Was, and at that time, I was gluten free because we were yep. trying to get pregnant, I think. Yeah. And um, and I was undergoing like all these uh, Eastern medicine treatments uh, yep. for, <laughs> uh-huh. for fertility. And so I couldn't have gluten. And we get off, and I'm starving. Nothing yep. is open. And I told you that, oh, there's a really good charcuterie-like yeah. spot <laughs> right over here, and it's shut down. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so I lived off of, like, a gluten-free granola bar or something <laughs> like that. That's so bad. So, so wonderful. Thanks, Denver. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a time. I'm not mad. Sorry, Eric, for derailing your email. (laughs) Here are some of Eric's T-shirt ideas. Okay. Back when a listener sent in the Freddie Mercury T-shirt idea and Josh broke into song. I got to agree. Yeah, I've got to agree. I laughed and let out a hearty audible shout of yes at the idea upgrade. I love the way you two play off each other and laugh together and would be honored to have you hear my idea, stir the ingredients, spice up the humor and sprinkle your extra style of ideas on top. Dude, you're going to love this idea so much. I already see a picture. Okay. (laughs) I'm already looking slightly up. Yeah, (laughs) thoughtful. So I'm ready. The more videos and podcasts I play, the more I have heard speakers pronounce CW operations as Morris code. Yeah, (laughs) there's a couple (laughs) people that say that uh, among the YouTubers. And I I never want to like call them out because I always feel bad. Um, But yes, I've heard that. Here in my Yankee Midwestern region, the name Morse is typically a monosyllabic word. I was a teen in the 90s, so when I hear it spoken as Morris 
my brain goes to watching TV, <gasps> shows of sunny California school days and endless classroom antics. Imagine a design of the Bayside Highs preppy in his classic fourth wall break, cheesing to the camera. Instead of his brick cell phone to his ear, he's got one hand on headphones and the other on a CW key. It's Zach Morris. <laughs> That's I do like that. I love Saved by the Bell. I mean, like the old Saved by the Bell, not like that new class stuff. But he, he can't be like standing, like rocking out. He needs to be like, no, I guess you have to. It has to be very 80s. He's got he's got to be pointing his finger too. look at all. No, these he's got to be like look, keying. No, no, look. See? <laughs> no, he's got to be. He's got to have his hand on headphones. Okay. You're right. And he's got to be like working a key. OK. Zach Morris. With with like the Bayside High logo behind him. Well, now you're just getting into copyright. <laughs> I mean, you could do Zach Morse. Yes. Yep. It's the Zach Morris code. Studio audience reaction sounds. You get, Go ahead. It's a bit cute. <laughs> it's, I, I like the idea. I think the inside joke of it being Morris is funny. Mm -hmm. But you could just do Zach Morse. And have it like 80s with just like neon like zigzags okay. in the background and right. just hammering out code. I'm, I'm into it. I like this idea. And you know what? If this gets made, Eric, you're getting one. That's pretty good. <laughs> would it when be, he went to Would 80s? it be funnier if it... <laughs> Sometimes your hair looks like Zach Morris' hair. That was my whole steez growing up. I, yeah. I could do that haircut like no problem. I was like, yes. This is the way. Yeah. Where, as he was mentioning that idea, and he started mentioning Morse and thinking about uh -huh. that, I thought of uh, taking like album covers, mm -hmm. particularly Morrissey. Oh. And doing a play of Morse code with Morrissey. Okay. I thought that okay. would be funny too. Yeah. The problem is not a lot of people actually know Morse of code. Everyone, oh, Morse code? Sure. I was yes. like, everybody knows Morse. Come on. Yeah. No, but not a lot of people know Morse code. The other one was uh, the iconic Joy Division album with, okay. the, with the, the Spectrum. Yes. And then just make that like nothing but just a Morse code string of characters. Okay. Because you okay. could easily represent that over time. Okay. You would just have like a longer bit of up, like, you know, yeah. spikes and then mm -hmm. a little bit of spikes and a longer bit for dots and dashes. Okay. You'll have to draw that out for me. I don't even know yes. how to do that one okay. yet. That's a whole All thing. Right. Well, <laughs> Eric continues, phonetic alphabets. Mm -hmm. If radio operators prefer not to use standard NATO phonetics, may I propose playing along and replying in bare naked ladies phonetics? Oh. <laughs> Feel free to brush up with their crazy ABC song. This one might be a fun one for you and your sons to enjoy together. And he's dropped a, a link to that YouTube video. <laughs> I... <laughs> I did recently see a video where this guy was talking about Blues Traveler and the hook. Oh, it's so good. And that is such that is a funny TikTok. Yes. Okay. So it was like sus lyrics or something right, like that. Right. It's sus lyrics and it's talking about how that entire song he's saying nothing. Literally. And he's literally describing how he's saying nothing. It doesn't with, matter what he says. With inflection. Yes. <laughs> Because the hook will draw you in, mm -hmm. right? And if I'm doing my job, 
<laughs> You're the one that breaks. Yes. Yeah. That's very <laughs> So funny. everybody go listen to that Blues Traveler song And again. that was also to uh, when I was on Tio's stream um, talking about the QRX Mini, the Morse code kit that we kind of all built. Uh huh. I had the great idea um, paying homage to John Popper, who's okay. a very good harmonica player. Yes. Do you know what is iconic about John Popper? How 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 I always identified him? How he holds up his harmonica? It's about harmonicas. Okay. He always had a bandolier of harmonicas, mm. like he had a chest rig mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. harmonicas in it. Okay. Because harmonica is a single octave instrument. Okay. Unlike a saxophone that can play multiple octaves, most mm-hmm. woodwinds can all play multiple octaves, stuff like that. So har- you had to have a harmonica for whatever key of song you were playing in. Oh. So blues is generally played on a C harmonica, but if you're playing with a band like Blues Traveler, which might have different octaves that they play in, you have to usually have a matching octave for the guitar So you got to swap out your you harmonica. You got to swap out your harmonica. Wow. So this became a joke of like, we're going to have like a bandolier of kit radios, like, because all the little <laughs> CW transmitters are pretty small. Yeah. So you could build like a Blues Traveler-esque bandolier. Right. Which I was like, I gotta, I gotta build this thing now, because I have plenty of kits that are built that I could just slide in there and small radios that will, that sure. will do the job. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. Do you want me to sew you a bandolier? For yeah, your could kits? you? Yeah, could you do? That? I mean, I have a lot of canvas. I guess I could. Do oh, that. canvas! That's that's it. Jam. <laughs> and I just got all those little snaps. Yeah, fantastic. We're right there. <laughs> this is almost a thing. Almost. <laughs> almost a thing. Eric continues, keep up the great work, making and enjoying your quality time talking and laughing together. Thanks for sharing generous chili bowls and cat cups of it with us on your podcast. (laughs) Don't worry about podcast length. It helps the work week go by faster when I listen at 1x speed. 73, Eric, knickknack, gin, nine, argyle, ren, (laughs) zed. Great. (laughs) Knickknack is a good one. All right. Is a knick knickknacks with a K? Is it spelled yes. K? <laughs> yes. <God. laughs> the next email is actually from Mike. He meant to send a send a voicemail. Mm. Because we have the soundboard now, we can actually take voicemails instead yes. of just emails. So if you would like to send in a voicemail. Well, that's you're you're getting way ahead of yourself. Okay. I need a uh, I have a phone number that Wow. that we can use, but I'm not ready to put that oh, out there. Oh, okay. Yet. I'm that way I can it back. run it from my computer. Take it back. Cuz don't send it to Leia. Yeah. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. She's not connected to the soundboard. So I I have a I have a thing that I'm probably going to use um to to set this up. I just I haven't we haven't figured it out yet cuz I'm I'm busy this weekend next weekend that we'll sort it out or next week. Okay. The next email, uh, I'm, I'm sorry about that, Mike. And Mike didn't end up attaching the voicemail. <laughs> so I can't, I can't play it anyway. He attached it or didn't? He did not. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So next time, Mike. The next email is titled Cable Strippers. And yes. cable is in parentheses. <laughs> okay. And this is from Rob. Hi, Leia and Josh. Last week, Don emailed you guys about cable strippers. And then things deteriorated rapidly. (laughs) Leia, you mentioned that you'll reach a new ham plateau when you hear the term cable stripper and your first thought is a tool. (laughs) 
I reached a new plateau a few weeks ago when a friend mentioned he has a lake house and my mind went straight to trees and antenna possibilities. Yes. Maybe it's a southern thing, but I have never seen a lake house without a bunch of trees. Uh, True story. I, I don't think I have. Oh, no. Havasu. Oh, Lake Havasu. Because it's in like a desert area? It's a desert, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don's email, the tool part, reminded me of a job I used to have many years ago in Alabama near Huntsville. I worked for a company which provides traffic signal equipment to signal contractors all over the southeast. Not just the lights, but also the controller cabinets that run the intersections with conflict monitors, vehicle detectors, high-tech communications, etc. Here are a few things I learned from our traveling band of experts technicians first oh this is going to be hot tips right now okay first when stuck in a massive traffic jams after college football games it comes in real handy to have keys to the controller cabinets plus the ability to reprogram the traffic signals that is not a tip that we can all use (sighs) i uh, rob i expected like flashing your headlights like your high beams at a traffic signal actually would activate them. <laughs> Here's a tip. Turn on your amber lights. Pretend you're a first responder. <laughs> Break the law. Second, many technical problems at intersections are caused either by too much stress on the connectors, unsupported weight hanging from them, or the contractors using cheap crimping tools. Mm. So, Josh, if you had to do a review on a quality crimping tool, what size coax do you use most often? LMR 400. That's what I have at home. Okay. I was disappointed to see the length of last week's podcast dip below the four hour mark. So I'll throw in a few random thoughts to make this one a little longer. A shirt idea for those listen at normal speed. HRCC podcast 1X crew. (laughs) Okay, this shirt is coming. And... (laughs) I just, there's so many suggestions for this right now. Yeah. That all, that all just came in. The first person who recommended it will get the shirt. Okay. Okay. But I, I really want to note that in this case, the early bird got the worm. Oh. <laughs> right? Because it's going to be the first email. The first email that, that mentioned, mentioned it. it. Oh. Yeah. And for those who listen at normal speed more than once, on the back, you could add X2 (laughs) instead of 2X. It's X2 times 2. Mm -hmm. You get it? Okay. All right. Your face didn't make it look like you got it. When you you start adding, like, you know, like when you make a joke Mm. and then you go back in? Ah, yes. A throwback always works if you let the laughs die and you keep going and then you come back to it. You always kick yourself when you deliver a joke badly. <laughs> I always like, get very upset. Yeah, yes, you're like, oh, I me- <laughs> yeah, I, I messed that up. <laughs> yeah, and but I don't go. Let's do it again. Yeah, it's really funny. I promise. <laughs> Never works. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Just wondering, what box of cereal is sitting on the table in front of you tonight? It's Cheerios. It's Honey Nut Cheerios with the heart shape. The that that is the cereal that Edison will first thing in the morning he will pour himself a bowl and do the milk and eat a bowl and he'll probably have like another one sometime later in the day Mm -hmm. especially if he's disappointed with whatever I made him to eat which (laughs) happens he's a picky child sometimes when it comes to food he is he'll like something this everybody asks me why I don't shop at Costco 
right? Yeah. Because you have a family. The automatic thing is you start going to Costco to buy your stuff. Yeah. That would never work in our house because yeah. our kids will love something for a, a week, maybe two weeks. Or just between two meals. Like if you make something one day, then yes. they'll destroy it. And then like two days later, you make it again and they won't touch it. Yes. They just won't touch yes. it. Yes. Some days they like mac and cheese. Other days they hate it and you have wronged them. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so I could I could literally never buy anything in bulk because m- most of it... and. Uh, Granted, you and I are kind of the same way. Like we don't like eating the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So if I were to get a massive box of any number of things, we would yeah. eat half of it at most. And then the rest would be like, sister, can you come pick this yeah, up? Take it away. <laughs> get it out of here. My sister will come and grocery shop at, at our house and my mom's yeah. house. So. That's another TikTok. I'm yeah. shopping at my parents' house. Yes, exactly. I need the things here to take back to my house. <laughs> uh, Rob continues, I am looking forward to hearing new sound effects on the podcast. Josh, did you find something special for Nathan? If not, he might have some suggestions. Hark, I think I hear Nathan spiking the football as only he can. So now, on to Vermont. <laughs> All the best, Rob, K-I-F-G-F-L. Thank you so much, Rob, for your behind-the-scenes production of the email correspondence corner. The next email is from Nathan. (laughs) Really, it's impressive what they've done here. Yes. Red Skelton Special Event Station. Nathan says, hello, premium podcasters. Have you ever seen the movie Soylent Green? Yes. I haven't. Really? Yeah, I haven't. But you know what it is, right? Of course. Okay. For anyone that hasn't seen this movie that came out in 1973, I am about to spoil it for for you. You have been warned. Skip forward in the podcast a little bit. Okay, guess what? I got an ICOM 7300 delivered today by the main trading company. (laughs) It is awesome. I absolutely love being able to see the signals on the scope. I tested out my audio through the Webb's SDR out of Pennsylvania, and I heard myself. I also tested to see if I was able to be heard by others by finding a POTA activator out of North Carolina. He gave me a 5-5. I'm glad Josh was able to use his Go box on a POTA activation recently. Yes. Good job. And there will be a video coming soon. I am keeping it short this week. I'm honored to accept the title of podcast producer that you bestowed upon Rob and I. Yes, you are co-producers. <laughs> and, and he did provide a drop, but we're having some tough technical difficulties with that particular file for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. So. Perhaps you should have a soundbite announcement of the last email. Something equally saying you have reached the last email, like it's an accomplishment or you've reached a new level in a game. I have included a sample. <laughs> yes. yes. 73 K1MAZ, Nathan in Vermont. By the way, Soylent Green is people. Soylent Green is people. Yes. That's right. P.S. I titled this email the Red Skelton Special Event Station because as I am writing this, I am trying to contact the Red Skelton Special Event Station K9R. That's crazy. I didn't know that. That's cool. What what is the Red Skelton? Uh, That's a person and he had a show and it was aptly named the Red Skelton Show. 
Okay. So. It's not Red Skeleton? No, Skeleton. This whole time, I thought that that was called the Red Skeleton. He's like a brother of Skeletor. <laughs> they get together and they talk about He-Man. I just thought he was, you know, the red version of Skeletor. <laughs> Good. And he talked about She-Ra. Oh, you know? that's Hordak. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So. All right. Thank you so much, Nathan, for the email and sound clip. Wish we had gotten it working tonight. Was he the last email? No. Oh. Sorry. Sorry about that, Nathan. I'm going to ad hoc something when that comes up, but you know. Okay. The next email is titled Health, and this is from Russ. And again, Russ is our good friend with the world of maple syrup. Hey, guys, remember to take all things in stride. I am a healthcare person besides an emergency manager, and I have been battling pneumonia for the past week. Oh, Russ, I hope you feel better. Yeah, that's not good. I think the key takeaway is that we all need to focus on our health. We can't help others if we can't take care of ourselves first. A prime prepping ideal. Yes. This is true. Be safe. Stay healthy. 73. And on that note, I would actually, you are about to go on a trip on an airplane. I'm going to, yeah. Right? What do you do to boost your immune system before you get on a plane? Nothing. Wow. You need to do something. I usually just try and sleep. That's my biggest thing is I try to sleep before I get on the plane. Get a good night's sleep. Okay. Well, barring that, I'm going to pour you some vitamin C tonight. <laughs> and then put some fireball in it? Yeah. Um, I do usually pack. So I have I have three things that I always pack with me in my overnight bag, which is kind of like men would call that their shaving kit, right? Okay. I do take the vitamin C, mm-hmm. you know, a little drink. Okay. Thing. Do you have beard oil in it? Mm. No, I don't. Uh, I do take Alka-Seltzer. Alka-Seltzer has become my, like, go-to. For, right. Like, for everything. Most aches and pains. Yes. It is good for indigestion. It is good for a headache. Mm-hmm. It is good if you're a little hungover. <laughs> I've definitely done that before. <laughs> and earplugs. What? Earplugs. Oh, I thought you meant you use the Alka-Seltzer oh. as earplugs. I was like, I don't think they work that way. <laughs> I have a Rude Goldberg contraption that I put together, and I have it actually keyed up to my alarm, and it will drop specifically five drops of water in each ear. Quite an effervescent wake-up. So, what else do I put? I mean, I've got a, a ton of things that I pack in my, yeah. in my overnight bag, but those are like always the ones that I look for. All right. Yeah. So Russ signs off, KC5CNT. Thank you, Russ. I hope you feel better soon. The next email is titled Coffee, and this is from Daniel. Hello, friends. First off, congrats on the four-hour pod. That's a (laughs) real accomplishment. Ha ha, keep it up. (laughs) Secondly, Hosh, what's your opinion on AeroPress? It's basically the only way I've found to make a quick and flavorful cup of coffee. Plus, it has yearly a yearly competition on the best way to make coffee. It's fantastic. The AeroPress is great. The only downside I have is that it, so if I'm going like true portable, they they made okay. Let, I'm gonna get kind of nitpicky. The traditional AeroPress is fantastic. Stick with that one. They made like a mini one that makes you think like, oh, this is gonna be really good for like camping and outdoors mm-hmm. and all that stuff. 
it's not that great. It kind of does an underwhelming mm-hmm. pour, and it's it's not that big as far as like how much coffee you can get out of it. So I, I would avoid that one. Stick to the original. Okay. The only downside with the AeroPress is that uh, you have to have little uh, filters, paper filters that go in it. Oh, I didn't know that. And you can you can bring paper filters with you, so that's not a big problem. But if I'm truly going to do like a portable coffee thing, I kind of want it to be like a mesh. Mm, filter yeah i don't want to have for the to, environment anyway. i don't want to have to like have some additional thing that i'm relying on other mm-hmm. than hot water and coffee right personal opinion okay but aeropress is very good uh the reverse aeropress they do like a reverse inversion type thing mm. with it that's works really well the, the, yeah the, it's, a, it's a cool little device if somebody's like coffee curious and they're interested in like trying out a good cup mm-hmm. of coffee coffee curious even taking like coffee that's not great mm-hmm. that you drink in a drip just a traditional drip with like mm-hmm. you know like a, a little bowl coffee filter getting something like an AeroPress or a french press something along those lines is going to yield much better results as always it's all about the grind mm-hmm. the grind you put the coffee beans through but if you have something like an AeroPress, AeroPress will actually produce a better cup of coffee than a french press in my personal opinion okay so yeah i'm, I'm a big fan cereal Raisin Bran is my go-to every day Mm. for reasons. It is extremely high in fiber, Mm -hmm. and the sugar that is present on the label is largely due to the raisins. Yes. So mostly healthy and good for you. Man, Raisin Bran Crunch is my, that's my go-to cereal. If we had that in the house, I would probably have a bowl every night. I, for a long time, when I got a little bit older, the, the cereal that I ate was Raisin Bran. Not raisin bran crunch, specifically no. raisin bran. Raisin bran crunch. That's a lot of sh- lot more sugar though. Yeah, but so delicious. It's like a, it's like a dessert cereal. Now I, I would <laughs> like to point out that just because the sugar comes in the form of a of a encased in a raisin, it's still sugar. It has nutrients. No, it, it's still sugar. <laughs> It's just because it came from a raisin, that doesn't make the sugar any less sugar. Oh man, Daniel, <clears throat> I think I'm gonna have to go get some raisin bran crunch. <laughs> As for a radio question, can you ha- question what is wrong with me know. today? I've mispronounced so many words today. Can you help me understand why the solar weather conditions have said no RPT on the muff, but contacts are still made? Also, can we discuss Invis? I've always read that it's not really useful above about 7 megahertz due to the critical angle yes. and such. But some people, uh, tons of people, call any antenna mounted low an invis antenna, which seems counterintuitive. Thoughts? Yeah. So the first one regarding the RPT, I don't know what the acronym is for RPT. I have to know more than that to give you an answer. It's. Is it no report? Don't know. No report on the muff RPT report? Don't, don't know. I'm guessing. Yeah. I, I really don't know enough about that because I always. How I read the um, maximum usable frequency is I will look at a map that's showing live updates, mm-hmm. right? And and there's always some kind of activity that you can see with frequency that should be used, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I primarily use. Now, for the NVIS, generally a good NVIS antenna is a 80-meter antenna. That's about four feet high, stretched out. That's the money antenna for for doing NVIS. You can use 40 meters, which is seven megahertz. That's what he was alluding to with that. And generally, 
know that the the critical angle for the higher bands it starts to be less of a thing i say less of a thing but you're still if you're radiating mostly vertical you're going to get some of that effect no matter no matter what you do now about antennas being low to the ground all low to the ground antennas are nvis well we know that's not true for verticals we know that's not true for inverted v's because they behave like a vertical in a lot of situations some loops will behave um, similarly will have NVIS characteristics, but also behave like a vertical in some cases, right? So that's not always true. It, it depends on the antenna. Um, it, again, to, to be an NVIS antenna, you, you have to generally specifically want it to be, and you have to keep that, you want it parallel to the ground. So a parallel to the ground dipole about four feet up, and that will, will do well for you if it is seven megahertz or lower. So yeah. All right. Daniel continues, also for a first field day report, I operated 1E at my parents' house with an 80 meter and fed half wave. I stayed out of the 114 degree heat, 114 degree heat, and was interrupted by a wedding of a friend, but managed 51 contacts. A wedding of my friend interrupted my contacts. (laughs) I was very put off. Only for hammers to lose my log, never to be found again. How many contacts? 51. Wow. I, I do have to contact the, the creator of hammers. It's uh, Jared. And ask about how we can make it so we can export logs out of one hammers and import it into another. Mm. I would like to be able to do that. Oh, well, I had fun. Puerto Rico to Alaska to Pennsylvania and California, all from Northeast Oregon. Good job. Fantastic day. Yeah, good job. 73, y'all, and keep doing what you're doing. Hashtag shoring it up. Daniel KJ7 and you lie. <laughs> Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. The next email is from Chris, the mailman. Cream cheese mints and a ham fest. Mm-hmm. Good evening, Josh and Leia. Cream cheese mints aren't holiday specific, though you can get holiday themed silicone molds for them. They're often used for weddings as well. So is it is it like those almond things then? You remember those the cream Jordan's almonds? Right, right. That's that's what I see used a lot at weddings. So right. I guess it would be around that size that would yeah, be bagged up. Well you saw pictures of them, right? The little <clears throat> Yeah. They're like a little fat button. Yeah. Larger button. Yeah. Like a pillow mint. Uh they're bigger than that. But that okay. was kind of what I thought. I, I I have a feeling they're not hard. Right. That was where I was going when I when I started looking into it. I could make those and then coat them in chocolate. personally i don't mess with the molds i just roll them into a small ball and smash them flat with a fork so they're about uh three-fourths to one inch in diameter hopefully you've made some by now and discovered how fantastic they are i have not i'm working on a work deadline but after that i'm going to be making up a storm just making things and making things and all the images i saw the, the the traditional way the most common way was with the fork Right, right. It was reminiscent of like a peanut butter cookie. Yes. But just smaller. Yes. Oh, I should mention this is the last email. Chris, oh. you are the last email. Here you go, Chris. You have now reached the last email. There you go. I Thank don't know you how for well the sound clip, through, Nathan. But, uh, I did play the sound clip, but not the way that I wanted to. Right. 
For Josh, there's a ham fest August 8th and 9th in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Ah. You sh- should you have to come for some quote-unquote work to do there? I don't have to work with the, <laughs> with the people that are in Cedar Rapids anymore, but I, I did it one time. I'm about two hours away myself and plan on attending Saturday. Cool. I also have a nice 25 to 300-yard range full of... AR 500 steel should you want to put some rounds down range and play with some suppressors. Whoa, okay, well, that's that's not a bad offer. I'm sure that friggin' Nate guy will be chiming in here shortly. (laughs) No, Chris, you beat him. Wow. Yeah. The you broke his streak. Hope you're all having fun. Chris the Mailman 73. Good job, Chris. I have a feeling that Nate actually purposely wasn't last Mm -hmm. so that he could send the sound clip. Oh, because maybe, but it yeah. didn't work. It didn't yeah, work. Yeah, so but, but sorry. I, I have emailed Nate, and he and I are in discussion, so we'll get it. Excellent. So it'll Excellent. it'll function um, as it should. Actually, through the the pipeline here instead of through Fantastic. the Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for all of those emails. You know we love them. Yeah. So great job, everybody. We appreciate you sending emails into the email correspondence tower. It's quite looming. Again. Uh, the best way to do that is email Leia at Leia at hamtactical.com. We love your questions, comments, and merch ideas. And if we make a merch based off of your ideas, we will send you one for free. So thank you for doing that. Okay, Leia, it means it's time for you to start a new general test. That's true. All right, we're queuing this up. Okay, <laughs> we're queuing it up. We need cue music. Oh, I don't have the cue music. Cue music is gone. Wow. What do you even have? I've replaced it with something else. It's something for later on the show. Okay. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Spoiler. (laughs) All right. This is a first question of 35. When is it permissible to communicate with amateur stations in countries outside the areas administered by the Federal Communications Commission? A, only when the foreign country has a formal third-party agreement filed with the FCC. B, only when the foreign country is a member of International Amateur Radio Union. C, when the contact is with amateurs in any country as long as a communication is conducted in English. D, when the contact with amateurs in any country except those whose administrations have notified the ITU that they object to such communications. So this is kind of a... A question that has been seen on the tech? Yes. Right? But I think the tech one is slightly different. It is. I didn't realize that you couldn't just talk to whoever you're... You can't. No. Because what's what's the highest DX contact that everybody wants more than anything? Mm -hmm. North Korea. North Korea doesn't allow for radio content so but what happens if you did end up hearing somebody from north korea like you yourself couldn't be like oh that's how would you even know it was north korean until you looked up the call sign well they may they may not have one i don't know that they have calls well that's what i'm saying yeah well so i mean mean, you that's it's not about a permissible for you it's whether or not it's permissible for them right okay I feel so, like you're trying to, to I'm, get the so answer. So I'm out kind of, of leaning towards when the contact with amateurs is in any country, as long as the communication is conducted in English. But I know that that's not necessarily true either, because 
people, you know, speak different languages yeah. on ham radio. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason that uh, a foreign country should have to file with the FCC in my mind. They have their own regulatory agencies in their own countries. Logical. Uh, the International Amateur Radio Union, I haven't heard like really anything about that. Was that in any of the tests before now? No. So it's D when the contact is with amateurs in any country except those whose administrations have notified the ITU that they object to such communications. Yes. After you walked yourself through that, <laughs> you got a little hand, a uh, little hand held holding on that one a little bit, a little bit. I was just working through it out loud. Yes, I was your cardboard analyst, as we call it. Yeah. <laughs> what is a shift register? A an array of operational amplifiers used for tri-state arithmetic operations. Mm-hmm. B a digital mixer. C, a clocked array of circuits that passes data in steps along the array. D, an analog mixer. Okay, so two things mention mixer. Yeah. But I feel like a shift register would actually be specifically about, and this is like literally a shot in the dark, Mm -hmm. but I... I thought it would be about the um, the shift in frequency between receive and send for like um, for like repeaters. Okay, why? I don't know. That's just how I associated the words. Yeah. Okay. Um, But I'm gonna go with a clocked array of circuits that passes data and steps along the array, and that's correct. That is correct. Uh, not a term we use very often anymore. Okay. Not never been brought up on the podcast, mm. uh, right? So you can never. assume probably an older term, probably mm-hmm. not something we use in repeaters. And usually repeaters don't have like mechanical, a lot of mechanical devices in the line. So okay. At, at least a, a switched array implies some kind of physical, physical components, physical controls. Okay. On what band do amateurs share channels with the unlicensed Wi-Fi service? A, Ah. 432 megahertz, B, 902 megahertz, C, 10.7 gigahertz, or D, 2.4 gigahertz. I'm going to go with 2.4 gigahertz because that's what I associate Wi-Fi with. So read that question again before you go forward. On what bands do amateurs share channels with the unlicensed Wi-Fi service? So we share channels with them, but there is a portion of that frequency band where we are the primary user. And so we can call in, people up at their home and be like, "Turn your Wi-Fi off. I'm on the frequency." You know what's really <laughs> funny about this? The uh, one of the happen, reasons but. that I even know this is this also a TikTok. It is a modern hams TikTok. It is. Yep. Yes, because there was a comment on that TikTok about how it interferes with Wi-Fi, and he went hard. That guy gets so much hate from people he for some reason. Not hard. from hams, no, but no, just no. from like non-hams who don't yeah, yeah, know yeah. what the hell's going on. <laughs> he, he went after the people that were commenting to him like, you don't understand. You don't get it. It was funny. But he's doing what I think you should do on your TikTok, which is respond to your questions with more videos. I have my Q&A on. No, you respond to your comments with okay. a video. Especially like very good questions. 
Well, you, when I start getting some good questions, I'll do that. Wow. <laughs> he got this one comment on just a totally random video about how no woman wants to have a relationship with a ham radio operator. And he ended up responding to it with a video, Mm -hmm. which was hilarious because his wife ended up being in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But almost every ham I know is either married in a relationship or widowed. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know very many single hams. Unless they're like young, unless they're like kids. Sure, but yeah. sure. But I, I no, think... No, hams, we do fine. Absolutely. <laughs> we do fine. I mean, it's probably the biggest contingency of men that are in relationships. I mean, like in, in I, I'm of, not prepared to make that statement. But... but I, I would say that every ham I know is in a committed relationship. Right. And do you know why hams tend to be so desirable? I did not know this was a thing. (laughs) I'm in the dark on this one. Well, I think it has to do with the type of person who actually pursues ham radio. Okay. And I think, one, people who get into ham radio are tend to be very independent thinkers, but they're also really um, self-reliant. Okay. Right? I I would say a good, I would, I would say a, that is a safe generalization. Yeah. It's obviously not all of them, but yeah. But I mean, it is it. a lot of women, smart women anyway. Smart women. Li- like, so we only get the smart ones. Yes, yes. Like a well-prepared man. Okay. Well said. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then also, Hams, there is a intellectual barrier to entry, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right? So women also like intelligent men. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then the men who marry female hams are just very lucky. (laughs) (laughs) They won some kind of lottery. Yes. 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 (laughs) We're very handy. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I just, you know, that whole thing really put me off. Actually, there's a lot of people that are that do that thing on TikTok where they be purposely contrarian in the comments. It's like a big thing. But also, like, there are so many very beautiful hams, right? Like, thank you very much. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, female, there are lots of very beautiful female hams. No, don't, it's fine. Don't backpedal. But then, <laughs> but then I've seen a lot of hams' wives, and they are also beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You know, I don't, hams are not hurting no. for women yeah, yeah. A- at all, you know? Yeah, it's that whole, like, you get older. And you might have been in a nerdy thing when you were a kid mm-hmm. and you weren't like popular at the time or whatever. Then you get older and it's like, that really doesn't matter. Once you kind of elevate yourself out of that small world thinking. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it, it's then no longer a problem. suddenly the world is a place that actually attri- that appreciates the skills. <laughs> right, right. It reminds me of I a, could run fast while holding a ball. Uh, like Napoleon I, Dynamite. I got, I got lots of I've skills. I've got lots of skills. <laughs> Curls like skills. <laughs> Bow hunting skills. That's right. <laughs> That's such a good movie. <laughs> the uh, the next question is, how does a quote unquote screwdriver mobile antenna adjust its feed point impedance? Mm. A, by extending and retracting the whip. B, by varying the base loading inductance. C, by deploying a capacitance hat. D, by varying its body capacitance. 
I'm going to guess by extending and retracting the whip. Nope. It's by varying the base loading inductance, which I don't even know what so that means. So base loading inductance, inductance in this case implies a coil. And that's what a screwdriver is doing. It has a coil. Let's call it the base. Of, okay. You know, where the base and the antenna is. There's this, like, it's like on my car. Mm-hmm. That little black thing is a coil. Okay. And there's a whip that sticks down the top of it. The whip doesn't move. Okay. The coil slides up and down. Or oh, okay. some kind of component slides up and down inside the coil. And that changes the inductance. Because of by, the changing the distance between the coil lines. Right. Because, again, a coil, a coil inductor, you're adjusting it by changing the physical length. Mm-hmm. By basically shorting out the lower portion. You're sliding it up and down, usually up against something that's touching it that completes the circuit of the antenna. And if you extend more coils up, you're electrically increasing the length of the antenna. Right. If you lower it back down, you're decreasing the length of the antenna. Got it. And that's what changes your your impedance for whatever frequency you're on. All right. On to the next question. Which of the following can be adjusted to optimize forward gain, front-to-back ratio, or SWR bandwidth of a Yagi antenna. Mm. A, the spacing of each element along the boom. B, the number of elements on the boom. C, the physical length of the boom. D, all these choices are correct. Hmm. Optimize forward gain, front to back. I'm gonna go with all these choices are correct. And they are. Good job. Thank you. Four out of five. Ah, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> good job. Thank you. That was fantastic, Leah. You did a great job. Thanks. Uh, yeah, that was that was very good. And I think you... Now, I will say, I think you worked through quite a few of those yeah. just live. Yeah, You're I really seeing took for the, the first advi- time. I really took the advice. I really... <laughs> what was the advice? To stop and think about the question. <laughs> Who told you that? I think a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, it was so late. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling it was before we started splitting the days, but I was just over it. I was like, I'm just going to answer these questions. <laughs> We're going to move on. <laughs> and somebody noted, you're not even really paying attention to the question. You're not even trying. <laughs> well, you, so, you did a good job. Thank That's you. Very good. Thank you. All right. So we're moving on now. I want to give a reminder to everybody that I will be in Huntsville. We're, we're going to be Huntsville. putting out more information about Huntsville just to throw do a little throwback to earlier in the show. Yes, there will be meetups. We will when meet you. When is this? August. Oh, okay. You know what? The the 1X shirts will be out in time for you to get them. So at least Hansville. at least one shirt. We may even do two. Yeah. Because, you know, there's two days. Right. Two shirts. Yeah. Yeah. You want a Huntsville dedicated shirt, though? Yeah. Well, eh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. We'll think about that. Okay. Yeah. Hunt, like Team Huntsville crew. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure no, it out. None yeah, of these things you're saying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hated it the moment it came out of my mouth. Now, the, the, what I was told, which is really interesting about Huntsville, is that like because it's attached to the embassy suites, you can just always go back to the hotel bar at any time during the day. Okay. <laughs> Multiple people told me that. I was like, geez, guys. <laughs> you can't just bring your beer directly to the I mean, I'm the sure there are people fest. that will do that, but, you know, as usual. This is what you need. You need a scooter. Right? A scooter. Yes. With like a, a mobility scooter? Yeah. Oh, okay. With a basket on the front of it mm-hmm. that has a cooler. Nice. <laughs> right? That's pretty smart. That's a thing. 
uh, I will probably, I don't know what's going to happen. But generally when I go to these, I try and get as much like video content as I can. Right. And you don't want to do that slosh, is what you're saying? <laughs> generally. No, I, I try not to. I try to save that for the evening when we can we can relax right, a little right. bit. So, so yeah. Everybody I will... help me keep an eye on Josh Huntsville, okay? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's not ply the man with craft beer starting in, yeah, in the early morning. <laughs> Look, I brought you a beer. <laughs> it's just everybody's coming with with a craft. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. It's like I came to have a beer with you. Here's your beer. Here's my beer. Let's shotgun it. <laughs> no, it's a uh, it's a barrel aged. Um, <laughs> it's a barrel aged uh, imperial stout. <laughs> Well, very good. All right. So, yeah, just make sure you check us out in Huntsville or check me out. Well, don't check me out. Come say hi. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> don't on. oddly stare at me yeah. from across. Yeah, don't the... do that. Come actually say hi. That would, that would be nice. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Go box dreams and portable wishes. Oh, man. I posted a couple of videos on my Go box, and I've had my newsletter that went out to the patrons about kind of some go box stuff along with some other stuff, you know, debriefing a field day and, you know, the other articles I work through. But I got a lot of comments on on YouTube. I asked people at the end of the video, tell me what I should do with the box. And everybody went with like very extreme changes, so much so to like get rid of the box you have and start completely fresh or, you know, you shouldn't do this at all this way. You should make these. Get rid of the box. <laughs> get a completely Stop. different box. Get a completely different box. <laughs> Like, those are the suggestions. I was asking, like, what else should I put in it? Or, you know, what should, what should I do? You know, like, I was talking about, like, little Scrap things. Scrap your extremely right. expensive co-box and start over. And I, I realized that as we were going through it, that <laughs> answer is the right answer for them. Here is a wheelie igloo. Right. Use this instead. Just dump all your radios in it next to the course light. <laughs> so I realized that, like, everybody has different requirements and, and necessities that go into what they would put in a go box sure or at least what they think they would put in a go box because i'm assuming a lot of people don't have a go box right or they're just they're thinking about it now and they're like oh i would do this i would do that so i i, I would i'm going to walk through some of my decision making that went into my go box one of the big things that people brought up was all the power that i had on board of my go box mm -hmm. my go box i can open the back and I can plug into AC mains power. Oh, man. People had a real problem with your cable maintenance, though. They're... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, people get really... <laughs> you uh, some by the way. zip ties, man. I did. I did. But then, <laughs> but then somebody got mad. They're like, no, you use too many zip ties. <laughs> you, can't, you can't win. You, you can't win. You got a line. You got to put clips inside your go box, run your wires all around the outside. Well, so that, that was one good comment. The, the guy said, basically, go vertical with the wires to the, the top shelf. Uh-huh zip tie them at that point that mm -hmm. perpendicular point uh -huh. then bring the wires to the sides where uh -huh. the shelves are and then coil them up against against the shelves and then mm. they'll be hidden and i was like oh that's perfect that's exactly what i needed to do so i'm gonna do that and it's gonna look really nice so that's a that's a definite thing i'm gonna do so that was a great comment that was a fantastic comment those are the comments i like to support but the power all being on board let's let's you know, walk through my, my thought process. No, Josh, put your power in a totally different box. Well, we're going to talk about not that. Your go we're going to talk about that. <laughs> so I put a power supply in the box, which yes. adds weight. Yes. It's mm -hmm. a switching power supply. So it is on the light side, but it definitely adds to the total weight. The advantage though is 
I can take any AC power mains, plug it into the back of the box, and I've got power. Mm -hmm. And that power is connected to my epic power gate from West Mountain Radio. And while the AC mains are connected, it will charge the battery that's inside, which is a nine amp hour battery. I didn't go with anything bigger than that because that would be too big, too heavy, would add too much weight. Okay. So off of AC mains power, I can charge the battery. The battery is in constant backup. If I needed it, if I lost AC mains power, I'd have it. It's a, it's a layer of redundancy. In addition, that epic power gate, if I didn't have the AC mains power, I could connect a solar panel to it. Mm -hmm. So now I have the capability of having a backup battery, a solar panel capability for charging that battery, and an AC mains power connection, all in one box. Mm -hmm. One box, okay? Right. That was, for me, my primary desire. Literally, all you want to do is put your Go box on a table and be able to pop out an antenna and start operating. That's right. like your goal. Right. I want to you wheelie don't... that thing into a field, Yeah. set it up, and it's got everything there. Meaning when I grab it out of the garage or wherever and I put it into the car, I don't have to second guess myself that I forgot this, right. that, or the other. Mm -hmm. It's an all-inclusive, one-box solution. Yes. That was, in my mind, one of the paramount things of a go box is that it has all the things so that you can grab it and go <laughs> it's not grab the go box and then also remember you need this very specific what a concept battery power thing box right mm -hmm. so that came up right so i got ac ac mains solar battery well people said i would go with a much smaller box and then i would have a, a secondary box that had batteries in it and a solar charge controller mm -hmm. which is again something you will you could leave behind you could forget and then you've got nothing right you you have no way to run your radio because it's not in the box so that was my thing also you're going to have to carry that would i rather carry something that's on a handle with wheels and maybe is 55 pounds, mm -hmm. yes, versus I've got to carry this other go box that maybe it's on a sling mm -hmm. or I have another dolly kind of solution. Right, you're still carrying the weight. You're still carrying the weight, but I'm offsetting that weight with wheels. Right. And if you have this ancillary power box, you're going to carry that ancillary power box. So that really wasn't for me. The other thing people said is, well, I only want an HF only box. Well, that's great. An HF-only box means you, you can get away with, with less weight, less size, less speakers. You can scale down the battery a little bit or, or not because AHF, you're still going to use the power. I did find after I made the video that there is a 4U version of my 6U box. Okay. Same company. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. I wonder if I could just take my lower shelf and slide it in. Turns out with the 7300 with the mobile bracket, it won't fit. Okay. It just sticks up above the the for you size, so so that won't work. So I was a little That's bummed. That's fine. Out about you that. filled out your box anyway. Yeah. No. I th I think. Yeah. I think for use. It might. I, I got to go back and look, but I think I think I'm good. Anyway. Um, but that's a consideration in the future. Maybe I will scrap my whole box and get the for you box instead of the six you box. I nixed this idea. You know. You never know. <laughs> I you do know. know. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> you never know. You never know what could happen. Um, so HF only is a thing, but then I, I was thinking, well, 
if you if you wanted to, a way you could go is have an all-in-one solution. You could go with an HF radio like a 7100 or a 991A that does VHF and UHF. Mm-hmm. So you would you would still need two antenna connections, one for the VHF UHF antenna, one for the HF antenna, but you could have a fully functioning box with just that one radio. And that would be kind of cool. The reason why I went with the the Alinco DR135 and the TNC is so that I can just leave that running at all times mm. and have a portable mailbox at that point. Gotcha. So I have a packet radio mail solution that can just run. It can while you go to sleep, you know, whatever, you're out somewhere or you're running an active an act not an activation, but you could be a part of an emergency group or whatever, and you need to be able to receive messages or you have somebody else that's monitoring, et cetera, et cetera. You could still be receiving information. So that's why I want that solution. VHF, UHF only. If you had a, wanted to do a go box for just that, well, man, that, that opens up all kinds of options. I would even argue you could probably even run two VHF, UHF radios, have one for VHF, UHF, and have another VHF, UHF, but you would only run that in one band or the other. Or you could just have a crossband repeat set up, a small box that's running. Ooh, you're big on crossband repeat right now. <laughs> no, but I mean, that that's a totally acceptable solution. You, again, you have all the power solutions in. You could scale up the battery some and get wine with a much smaller box in general while still plussing up the battery, still running a power supply, running solar if you wanted to. And I thought that was, that was a, a cool idea. Now, with, with features that you want to bundle into the box i've seen people that bundle in a raspberry pi which i think is an acceptable thing to do i think that's totally fine i just don't put a lot of faith in the reliability of raspberry Pis personally i know they work fine i would still have some kind of redundant solution mm. like a laptop mm-hmm. there is go boxes i've seen that actually has a mounted touch panel that kind of folds out that connects to the raspberry pi wonderful solution that's really slick i think that's a cool idea there's actually it's there's a video on youtube that covers it great idea not something that i was going to do i wanted to go with with just a laptop or have maybe a raspberry pi that you can vnc into and again that could be functioning in that tnc mailbox roll type of deal again this is the decision process that i went through kind of what i was thinking about you can totally do that it makes it makes sense to me I got it. I understand. But I, I'm not really the biggest fan of Raspberry Pis. I think they are a tool. I think of them as in the most like going back to wire strippers, a Raspberry Pi to me is more like a tool than it is strictly a computer. I appreciate it, it is a computer, but I'm looking at using it for very specific purposes. And if it kind of craps out on me, I probably am carrying something redundant just so that I'm not relying on it completely. Or I just accept that I'm going without and I'm just going to use single sideband. I'm just going to do voice, right, if it, mm-hmm. if it dies out of me, which is something you have to accept. Now, the weight aspect. Lots of comments on the weight. And here's what I have to say about the weight. I am inevitable. <laughs> if you are building a go box, it doesn't matter how small you've made it, you are going to incur weight. And... You will try and backdoor your way out of having weight by, you know, carrying an ancillary box. Oh, I'm just going to carry my batteries in a backpack. Oh, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. I'll just have a power supply and a small. Those are all things you can forget. So if you want a true grab-and-go solution, then having 
these things that you have to grab is fine, but then you're the one that has to remember everything. That morning you wake up, you, you get up really early to go drive out and do a POTA, for instance. If you're the type of person that remembers that every item that you always need every time, then fine, no problem. Go nuts. Go with these separate little things. I am always the type of person that packs the night before. I run through checklists. I, I will seal my bag after doing multiple checks on it, seal it up the night before, and I will literally grab it and then go. I don't do it in the morning because I'm literally not of the cognitive ability in the morning to even make that work correctly. So I grab it and I go, get on the road. The go box is just kind of an extension of that. It is something that cram all the things into, make it work, get it on the road and, and get out to what you're doing. And I had a I had a fantastic time at the pod I did. I went to Chino Hill State Park. I think it's like 45 minutes from my house or something like that. No, it's uh, 35, 35 miles from the house. And it, it's a great spot. It's very RF quiet. Oh, another, another thing that came up. Another. This goes back to the power thing. Multiple people said, I wouldn't run all that power in my go box because you're going to have all that RFI from the power equipment. This is a thing that could happen if you go with substandard power supplies, substandard solar controllers, all that stuff. I don't have that problem. I have run the 7300 off of AC mains with the PowerWorks Anderson power poles, 30 amps, power supply. It's a switching power supply, no noise. It is directly right next to the 7300. The Epic power gate, connect the solar panel to it. It's a 100 watt solar panel, no noise coming off that solar panel, charging the batteries, nothing completely zero noise floor in this Chino Hill State Park. No noise floor That's amazing whatsoever. because it's actually in kind of a suburban area. It's like, I'll show you some pictures after and I'll show you some videos. It's, it's very, where I go, there's nothing else out there. There are some like high tension power wires, but they're like half a mile away from you. So you're well away from it. If they had a problem, then you'd probably know about it, but they don't. So it's extremely noise quiet and it's not difficult to set up your go box to be noise quiet and having the equipment on board will not incur any noise. And I'm not running any ferrites of any kind at, at any time. The only thing I do is I do bring, I'll say the word appreciable amount <laughs> of coax. You so said it very little in this. Uh... I wasn't even thinking about it, but yes, I didn't say that. <laughs> I do bring like 30 to 50 feet of coax and I will send that antenna out a, a decent distance away from where I'm activating. No particular reason other than, you know, why not? I don't know. Uh, I try to put it in, in the right place away from metallic structures and all that too, which seems to help. So yeah, weight, weight is impossible to get around. I think that if you, if you want to do HF and you really focus on single sideband, and you, you don't mind the extra things that you may have to drag along, potentially, you can go with an 891. That will reduce your footprint considerably. I want to remind everybody with the 891, you're going to need some kind of interface for audio and USB. It, it does have a USB cable, but you're going to need some kind of audio interface. And then you will also need a tuner in some cases if you are going with antennas that need a little help 
you know, not non-resonant specifically, you know, if you're running non-resonant, you have to have a tuner, but if you're going with, you know, a, a pretty decent end fed that's good on all the bands except 20, well, you may want to dip into a three to one tuner. Well, that's extra bulk that you got to add into the case. The 7300 has a three-to-one tuner. It generally runs all the NFEDs that I have, not the nine-to-ones, so I don't try to run them. I have a Delta Loop from Chameleon. That's what I did the activation on. It runs that perfectly. In a low-noise environment like I was at, the Delta Loop is fantastic. I was copying S0, no no flick on the S meter. I was copying 100% completely readable, probably an S3, S4 copy on, on the audio quality voices. And it was great. It was really good. And I, and I got plenty of, of audio clips on, on some of those. So I will be sharing that with you all in a future video. So yeah, those are, those are my, that was kind of the decision making that I went through. The biggest decision making that I had was, well, I've got the 7300. What am I going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put it in a box. That was the biggest decision that I went through. And so that was a, that was nice. All right. That was fun. Anyway. So yeah, that's uh, that's going to do it for the podcast. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. We have a lot of fun making it. And the fact you listen and send us feedback means a lot to us. Without further ado, 73. 73.